All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of NPR Herp History. And tonight we're going to be joined by Ron St. Pierre. Ron was on the show before. Actually, I wasn't here. Right, right. So it doesn't count. No, I mean, no, it does count. So that was not an official (laughs) NPR. I mean, I guess Rob can kind of fill in for me. I mean, listen, I I confuse you and Rob all the time when we're together. I don't know which one's which, (laughs) especially if he's not wearing his um what is it this this, turtle hat the turtle hat yeah but if he's not wearing his turtle hat that's really how i tell you two apart it's the only way i'd say i say yeah so uh but you're back which is good because yeah i know we haven't me and you haven't recorded in like a month or something like it and also it's like if you the entire time i'm doing that live stream with the interns there's this little voice in the back of my head going, what are you doing to the show? <laughs> like, it's, yeah, I got a couple of messages oh, and I was like, I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to listen to that episode. I'm just going to, I'm going to let it be what it is. <laughs> That's yeah. yep. <laughs> as you should. Yeah. So unfortunately, yeah, I had some family uh, death in the family. I had mm-hmm. to head down to, uh, to Florida to take care of that. So that's why, of course, it coincided with, you know, releasing a couple new podcasts and whatnot. So it's kind of uh, jacked up. So by yep. the time you're hearing this, um, we've actually added another one. And I think we're about almost at max capacity. Right we got to be at like what? <laughs> we're over 10. <laughs> yeah. So the new. So let's let's put the, the other one out there real quick for a uh, the uh, the Australian Herpetological podcast yep. is now on Apple. Okay, and so is the Field Herping podcast that is also on Apple. Uh, So if you are a Apple user, you can go on over to use their podcast app, and uh, yeah, you can listen to it, check it out. So um, the new one though is uh, the Reptile Fight Club. Reptile Fight um, Club, yeah. Justin Drewlander, our good friend, and uh, Chuck Poland, um, they those guys wanted to do something a bit different, and Justin's idea was is that they would take a topic. And it's kind of cool because they kind of flip a coin mm-hmm. and they decide which side of the argument they're going to be on. And um, then they kind of go from there and they kind of bring up the points. And it's, uh, you know, they try to put it out there so you kind of can decide on which side won. Right. So it's good to have a point counterpoint. And also, it's a good way to realize that these are two guys who are very successful reptile breeders and keepers. And these two guys can like these are two guys who can flip the coin and know enough about both sides of the argument. It doesn't matter which way it comes, heads or tails, right? And have the debate, but also they know the successful way to use both sides of the argument. So if they had to say keep an animal this way, they could have success with it. So it, it's um, it's a yeah. really cool show. I'm going to enjoy it. Uh, it's it, like you know how like we like to 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 bitch and complain us podcasters the, on, the, the on, the, on the reptile Constantly. world well this this is like a, a good way to sort of bitch like, and complain yeah bitch and complain <laughs> without necessarily bitching and complaining if you will so right. you know it's like um they sort of like you know like i said they argue both sides of a, of a topic the first show is uh professional breeder versus hobbyist breeder mm. meaning like you know which 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 is 
uh, you know, which is better or, you know, which, what are the advantages of one or the other, or who brings more to the hobby, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, that'd, it's, it's, that'd it's, be cool. It's pretty interesting. So. I like that. So, and, and it, it, Zach Baez, cause when Justin announced it, Zach tossed out there, he's like, wasn't this a thing on the forums where you could go and pretty much have <laughs> like, like this is the octagon <laughs> we must now. Yes. And then like you throw out the <laughs> argument and then the fight would ensue. And it, it's, it's very much almost like seeing two armies lined up against each other and it's like now and then they would charge each other and then yeah. whoever lived lived so I, i'm i'm excited to have that kind of because even though this is going to be a back and forth between just justin and chuck it, it, it's good to get conversations started which is yeah awesome i love that yeah. idea so yeah 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 so uh so yeah they, they're they're going to be working on a, another episode where i'm not really sure and like what they're you know, uh, like I don't, I don't think it's going to be weekly. Maybe it's like bi-weekly or maybe monthly or something right. like that. But, um, but, uh, both guys, both Justin and Chuck are, are great guys. So it cool. should be really cool. But on the Bush leagues breeders club, they called, I can't remember what they <laughs> called it, but they had, they had to say, so on MP, there was the octagon, the octagon, which was the fight. Yeah. But, but on the Bush league breeders club, there was something, something that was else. like called the saloon or something oh, like well, that. I mean, it was it's like basically the no same hard thing. holds barred or yeah. whatever, you know, you can you just can go into, into the and... saloon and shoot a guy and it's not <laughs> yeah, a problem. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, yeah. So, yeah. I, I, I'd be interested to see what it's like and, and how that goes. That that'd be fun. Um, Riley and I did at least three episodes of Colibri Corner, so those are coming out too. And then I forget how many podcasts you have to keep recording. I think it's twelve or twenty-five at this point. So how many? Oh, I, I yeah, have you to just you? Yeah, I only have like two. You yeah. have like oh wait no I'm in mm. I'm in that one too. Yeah. Damn it! <laughs> so I have three. <laughs> Well, the whole idea is just to put good reptile content out there. That you know? is so, the plan. Uh, that's that's the whole the whole point, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah. So let's get on with the uh, herp history and uh, Ron. Welcome to to the show. Glad to finally be able to have an official NPR with again. You and, uh... No, and it's just he's he's just still bitter. So it's again. <laughs> so um, yeah, thanks thanks for having me, guys. Well, yeah, this was when we started doing these kind of things about like with herp history. Um, Eric's like, who should we have on? I'm like, can I use this as an excuse to talk to Ron again? <laughs> can we just, can we, can we just do that? And Eric's like, he's already on the list. I'm like, good. <laughs> it's like, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so for everybody that knows, I mean, like, you know, there's so much history in the hobby and so many stories and, um, it's such a cool part. I mean, I don't know for me, I love hearing these backstories of how, you know, species came into the hobby, people, you know, stumbled upon different morphs that people are working with or, you know, getting those species established fascinates me. Like, you know, back then when you didn't have thermostats and UVB bulbs, and, yeah. you know, like uh, animal plastic cages and specific kind of dirt and all this kind of stuff. I don't know. Ron, what was it like when when you were getting into the hobby? Like what what was what was the what was the early days for you like? Um, I mean, for me, it, I, I honestly do. I've been involved in this shit for so long. It's <laughs> like, like I was a little kid, man. And I was catching, you know, like Brown and Oles in my yard. Cause I grew up in Miami. So mm -hmm. I, okay. I actually was probably in the best place at the best time. Um, by the time, you know, I was a teenager, there was, I, I was actually, I ended up dropping out of school when I was uh, in the 11th grade to do this full time because I was 
I was making so much money catching Cuban anoles that it was it was just pointless. And I had already known that I was going to be involved in this in some way. But at the time, you know, professional breeder wasn't really a thing. I mean, there was a few, you know, there's Bob Clark and Bill Love and all them guys that started in the 70s. Mm-hmm. But this was like the mid 80s. And um, so it wasn't really a thing. And, you know, so I just kind of did what I do with everything. I just fucking go after it. And happens. <laughs> I was lucky. Um, and I've been pretty lucky. I mean, I, the first thing I did was, um, you know, I, I started, uh, I got to know all the key players. I got the phone books out, you know, mm-hmm. they used to make those things. They were big, fat, <laughs> large books with numbers <laughs> yeah. in it. Yeah. I, I and, heard <laughs> and, I, and I started going through the yellow pages looking for, uh, for reptile dealerships. And I discovered that holy shit, they're all over the place in, in Miami. They were, they were everywhere. So Jeez. I started, I would get on my bike or take the bus and go out to these places. And um, I got to know these guys. And so, you know, I was this annoying kid that would show up and bring them bags full of anoles and trade them for cool shit like tegus and red tail boas and stuff. <laughs> so um, it kind of got me in the door. And um, once I realized how the whole system worked that, you know, they get in shipments. And if you were the guy there, when they got the shipments in, you could normally go through it before, you know, I'd volunteer to help them unpack, <laughs> you know, <laughs> make sure you like, knew when the shipments were coming to oh, every yeah. store. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Smart. And the primary person that really helped me out was a guy named Ed Chapman who owned Florida reptile importers at the time. And, um, he was down there. Pet farm was not far away. And so mm-hmm. I would kind of bounce back and forth. Pet farm was this ridiculous, uh, import facility for birds, reptiles, um, exotic mammals. They were, they were enormous. Jeez. And, uh, but what I discovered is oddly enough that you could catch all kinds of shit around these places too. <laughs> so, so I would go and I'd catch the stuff around one place and take it over and sell it to the other guy and, and trade it out and do stuff like that. But it's almost like there's a connection. So, Reptiles yeah. loose around the reptile facility. Right. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> we dri- driving down the road or something and there was canals. Miami's full of canals and you'd see like iguanas and stuff. But every once in a while I'd see a big ass caiman or an African rock python curled up on the bank and I'd <laughs> jump God. out and get that and <laughs> trade it. Kept just kept rolling it, rolling it. But around the mid nineties um, is when things really started to pick up. And that's when, you know, uh, basically the guys like me were looking at what the guys before us, the Bob Clarks and the, you know, Philippe de Beaujolais and Bob Mayhew and all them guys were doing. And they were, they, it was clear they were doing well producing morphs, albino corns, albino Burmese pythons. So since I was at these facilities all the time, I started looking for through their shipments for weird stuff. And man, if I had all the weird shit that I pulled out of those shipments back then, I <laughs> at one time I had six solid yellow monkey tail skinks, and I believe those were probably albinos, but I was too stupid to know. They oh, were solid what? yellow. I've never seen any since then like that. And That's I had nuts. I had a blue I had pulled a blue one out, big giant blue one. That was probably azanthic. <clears throat> um That's um, insane. And yeah, there was this- like who who the hell knows where they were all pulled from or something like that, but that's nuts. Yeah, and I actually bred the yellow ones together and produced more yellow ones. And I was I sell I sold them for like fifty bucks. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, no one ca- no one cared. I was buying monkey tail skinks at the time for twenty five dollars. So I would buy them for twenty five, and then I'd sell them to jobbers out of state of Florida, like up in Chicago, and stuff right. like that. I'd supply them. So I was making a little bit of money on that, and but it, what it did was it, it gave me volume buying, so I could go to the wholesale places and say, okay, I'll take fifty of that, fifty of that, fifty mm-hmm. of that, and they would let me take whatever I wanted. So that's how I found the original blood boas. I was there to get i picked up some central american boas there was a fresh shipment that came in we popped open the bag and in the like the it was either the first or the second bag there was three fucking four four of them actually four solid red boas in the bottom then when i opened a few more i found what probably were t-positive albinos but i didn't recognize it at the time whoa and then i also got these black-tailed anatheristics and and a patternless one Wow. And that was all at one shipment. It was just <clears throat> that's like, crazy. That is yeah. insane. Like four hundred boas. That you could do that. Like I, I mean, there's at least like there could be like eight or ten projects in one shipment if you were yeah. able to start piecemealing it out. That's nuts. Yeah. And then <sighs> that's how it worked for everything. I mean, that's Kevin McCurley used to come down to Florida and go through the ball python shipments. A lot of people were doing that at the time. I was creaming every ball python shipment I could, and I was flipping the, the baby. <laughs> I, I had guys that were paying me two grand for anything weird that I, I could get, so I would go there and pay ten bucks for a ball python and flip it for two grand. And wow, and it Jeez. was uh, yeah. If it's it was, funky looking, who knows? I mean, yeah, some that, of them that, guys. Some of those guys went on to make a lot more than that. Off right, of <laughs> right, exactly. That's, yeah, I look Dude. back at that, but I looked at those things, man. Like I was like, this is a pet rock. <laughs> they don't do anything. Yeah. It's a funny I, looking pet rock. I, I mean, I I'm done with to it. Tell everybody, everybody back then. Oh, those things are never going to go anywhere. This is dead end. People want Burmese and retics, and no one cares about these little ball python <laughs> things. Man, that was a that was a serious. Uh, uh, <laughs> that was, that was a whoops. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a, that was something. But but it, what it what it did do though, again, as I took that, mm-hmm. I, I never I never kept any everything I made always went right back in the in the business. So what I did was I took that and I used it to buy tegus and other, other things that I yeah. yeah, that that I was interested in. Um boa constrictors and um my thing's always really been boas, monitors, and tegus. But I, but I, obviously my interests are pretty broad. And so I've worked with almost everything from tree right. frogs to tortoises. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it was cool, man. You, I, you could go into these places and there was generally a who's who, you know, you'd see like a, a lot of these guys that are now like, you know, legendary status and, right. and they were all hanging out and we were all just buying shit and, you know, a bunch of reptile nerds. And that's pretty much what the hobby was back then. It was, it was not, you know, like now it's very mainstream and there's like Mm -hmm, a lot of different, it's a different demographic. But back then it was very, you know, if you were around, you know, like you guys were talking about Bush League, uh, Mm -hmm. the Bush, uh, yeah, forget the name of it, but I used to read that forum and I was like, yeah, I'm never getting involved in this shit. (laughs) There was a lot of, there was a lot of good information on there and I used to read it every day. But that's because, you know, it was hardcore reptile nerds. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so, I, I, it almost seems like as things got easier for people to either procure the animals or take care of the animals, it kind of started spreading out beyond just the core reptile oh, yeah. nerds and stuff like that to to other people. So yeah, yeah, no, yeah. it's it's a totally different world than it is now. Back then, we all kind of knew each other, and mm-hmm. 
um, in one way or another. So I was always curious is the, you know, like being down there in Miami and I would imagine there's, you know, multiple importers that are yep. importing. Are they all importing from the same person or no. is it each? Oh, so everybody had their own connection. Yeah. yeah own I mean, so yeah. there was, there was some overlap, but for the most part, they were all slightly different. And so, and, and I, I mean, I was centrally located. I was literally like 10 minutes from like the big three or big four. Right. So I would, I would, I was at every shipment that came. I was there. I mean, I, I knew them all personally. They call me, Hey man, we're, you know, we're getting this on this day. And man, I, I was there waiting. Most of the time I was sitting in their office with, with my feet on their desk, bitching about something and waiting for the ship. <laughs> <laughs> Where's so, your guys? Let's get this yeah. going. Like, you know, it's a... <laughs> yeah, it was, it was good, man. I mean, those guys, uh, you know, before everybody knew what the morphs were and what they were worth, you, I mean, I the original blood bows. I think I paid twenty twenty five bucks for it. That is bucks. insane. Yeah. That is insane. Did you did you guys just look for something weird. different or weird oh, yeah. or okay? Yeah. So it was anything that was weird? Kind of. I mean, I yeah. would imagine that like if you saw like a you know pattern that's a little bit off or something or whatever. They came home, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, yeah. Right. So I mean, I was really. Uh, you know, I used to do that. I used to get a lot of gravid stuff. Like there were so many uh, things that were coming in. You know, the time of the year they were collecting, they would come in gravid, and so I would buy everything that I that I thought you know I could. So I got a lot of experience hatching like a lot of weird shit, and hard mm-hmm. stuff, because right. I got gravid ones, and then I would get the eggs, and then I could mess around with that. And it was it was a good learning curve. I learned how to do a lot of different chameleon species that way, and um, a lot of stuff like that. So. In that in that regard, I was very fortunate. How how did you? What was your process to try to figure it out? Like, yeah. did, I mean, there was no internet, right? So, <laughs> well, I mean, I yeah, but we had we had books, and honestly, man, the internet is yeah only Crap. useful to to a certain yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. The if problem, you're going to the right spot, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you just have to sift through so much trash to find the the gems. Whereas, you know, when you had less, you had books. You know, you knew anything from th T, tfh was pretty much uh, mm-hmm. just p- pretty pictures. But there was right. they did have a few. But but you knew that if you something came from like Krieger or, or one of those other, you know, you knew that those were usually intelligently written, uh, fact based, you know books gotcha. that were were on the so i used to buy a, pretty much every book um available at the time i, I still i still do I, I had to sell some off a few years ago but i've been rebuying them ever since and, <laughs> um but uh but yeah I, I always maintained a library and and you know i vivarium magazine was probably one of the most influential things on me as far as research because mm-hmm. right. that magazine everything in there for the most part was like really solid Right. So, and you know, Philippe knew how to push the envelope and to challenge your, your, and, and the writers that he got, you know, everybody that was involved in that knew how to challenge your, um, perceptions. And that's, uh, something I think personally has stagnated. I mean, I just read a post and actually you commented on it, Erica, by Keith. Yeah. Keith's posts are always fucking awesome because yeah, he, yeah. he thinks about shit <laughs> and that's what, you know, we need more people like that because mm-hmm. that's that nothing is nothing is uh, everything can be improved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and there's a million ways that this can work. 
Like there's no one way. And so, I mean, I, I do that too. I'm constantly rethinking what we do here, how we go about things. I try not to take anything for granted. I try to remain agnostic about everything. As soon as mm -hmm. you, a belief creeps in your brain, that leads to lazy thinking. You know, you think, okay, the jury's out on this. It's, you know, and you stop thinking about it. That's right. what kind of beliefs do to you in that, in that regard. So I try to remain agnostic about everything. So I'm constantly uh, reminded that I don't know shit. And there's probably a lot of ways that, you know, I could find a new way to maybe break down a wall that currently exists that we don't even know is there. Right. So. Yeah. I think a lot of times like, I, I, yeah, I've done this even myself. Like if you have, like, say you're breeding something that's a pretty easy to breed species or something like that. And you get slugs or something. You're just like, Oh, the male must have not fertilized the eggs yep. or, you know what I mean? And it's like, that's kind of where we leave it at. You know, it's kind of, right. well, at least, snake people maybe python people if you will but it's just like nah, that's enough you know th that's all i need to know <laughs> no but, more <laughs> yeah you should do more you should look into it a little bit deeper like why yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, you know it's like we're afraid to 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 push anymore like you know do we supplement is there something in the diet you know or is there uv or whatever you know i, I don't know you know it's just mm -hmm. it's just the the those yeah. kind of thoughts, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and most things we may never have an answer to, you know, I yeah. mean, right. a lot yeah. of those things, some things are just the way they are. Um, some things are just the randomness. I mean, I'm sure, you know, not every animal is going to produce every year, yeah. even in the wild, that probably wouldn't happen. So sure. Yeah. There's all, there's just so many things that you can't know. And so, you know, I just don't, I, I, but who knows, maybe one day, you know, fucking around with some idea that seems absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. You may f hit it and figure out, oh my God, this is a total game changer. Right. Right. So. Yeah. Like in Keith's post, there's no way to know like the, the level, the, the, if the yeah. animal is stressed or not, unless you're, you know, measuring that in some yeah. scientific way, you know, but yep. um, it makes total sense. Right. Because yep. with scrub pythons, we sort of like, maybe they're not as, Maybe they're easily they settle down a little bit easier than say say a Poland's python and you know maybe I don't know <laughs> they're they're all alone up there on the mountain I guess <laughs> yeah I mean a lot of the same a lot of those uh, touchier pythons mirror a lot of the same things we see with varanids and, mm -hmm. and a bunch yeah. of different lizards I mean lizards are tend to at least they show it more right uh, they stress they appear to stress more than like i work with all these giant animals and if i move them from one cage to another i'm not getting shit for a, for six months they just even even if it's right next door it just throws them really they just, yeah they just they're like fuck you i'm done you know <laughs> now now i got to restart the whole process so and these are outdoors and large planted enclosures you would think you know like you could take a crested gecko i work move with those, it yeah yeah those azanthic crested gecko things that i don't mm. know why i have but I, we have them <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah <laughs> those things you know you can literally take the male out every day and move him to a different female a different thing and everybody's fine but if right. you try to do that with some of these giant anoles it throws them off so um that's got to be a stress factor i mean right. is it like is, it's got to be something potentially with the behavior of the animals like if they have set territories and when that's messed up it's automatically i don't know so yeah it, i mean it's it, kind of something to think about it's it i noticed that it's much more prevalent 
tends to be anyway an arboreal mm. species. And, you know, if you think about it, they're more probably more security oriented. Right. They live high up in trees. Yeah. Right. Everything's like trying to so, eat it. Yeah. Yeah. So when yeah. you violate their security, they're just like, ah, oh, that's it. Yeah. I still think one of the greatest moments in NPR history is when you talked about the, the dew <laughs> in the morning. I mean, to me, I, I remember I was driving back listening to that show and I just like, oh, my I'm telling my wife, I'm like, this is genius. She's like, what are you talking what are you about? Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> what is genius? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a few people that are talking, mostly chameleon guys. And that's actually how I came across that idea was I right. was in a, in a freaking field looking for veil chameleons. And I realized I was like, because I've been trying to work out this anole thing. And uh-huh. and then it was just like. I was like, holy crap. And then I went on that show and did that, uh, mentioned that. And then somebody told me that um, the Chameleon podcast, I forget the guy's name, Bill. Bill uh, Strand, I think. Bill, Bill Strand, Strand. Yeah. yeah. Bill Strand mm-hmm. also had a thing about that where he was talking about it. So I went and listened to that. And I was like, yeah. that." And then recently, Peter Neckus, who is one of the big uh, big Chameleon guys in, in – I think he's in the Ukraine or one of those countries over there. Mm-hmm. But he um, – he recently had a video where he talked about how that a lot of those chameleons actually get their water intake by breathing in water vapor. <laughs> so that actually was wow. something else to think about. And if you think about it, I mean, I would have met, I mean, an arboreal snake mm-hmm. is just not going to have po- po- you know, a puddle of water to drink out of very often. Sure. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, they look like dew catchers, you know, obviously everybody's seen them drink out of their coils. So we know they do that. And, 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 but they're also, you know, the areas they come from, as far as I'm aware, are extremely high humidity, Mm -hmm, uh, tropical areas. So they probably require just a stupid amount of, of humidity and water vapor. But the problem with that in captivity and especially in the cages that we currently use um, trying to get that in there without causing secondary issues, you know, right. fungus right. and mold. Infections, yeah. Yeah, is, is challenging. So um, I've been able to fuck around with the do thing outside because I'm outdoors in Florida and the stuff is out year round. So I just built these large, um, essentially what they are, are, rain chambers that I can – I can actually turn them into a rain chamber when, uh, if, if it's too dry here, which is something I'm actually going through right now and I'm considering having to fire that up. But, hmm, right. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, so, I mean, I think if, I mean, I don't know, it's just something that I was toying around with, but I, I do definitely see a correlation. Um, a hydration is definitely a problem with, uh, arboreal lizards and, and, a lot of the things that I see people complain about with, you know, chondros and emeralds and stuff like that mm-hmm. mirrors a lot of the same things that we kind of see with, you know, pro, pro I've seen prolapses in the knolls when they're not yeah. wet enough. And that's something you hear about with emeralds and chondros quite a bit. I've seen, you know, the, obviously there's the shedding problems. There's, there's just a whole, the, the, it's a mirror. Right. And, and ever since I started <clears throat> watering them every night even and then obviously allowing them to have the natural dew that florida produces it's made it's been a huge difference like a really? huge difference yeah the i i was getting in the initial um, it took me years to get that albino anole project off the ground because mm-hmm. i was getting so many infertile eggs and it, i was beating my head against the wall finally i got tired of it and i was like fuck it i'm selling the whole thing i'm getting out and <laughs> and somebody else can do this and i sold it uh-huh. And the guy I sold it to turned around, paid me for it, and handed it back to me and said, finish it. 
No, <laughs> no that, that would not happen today. Somebody, <laughs> somebody, somebody who maybe read an article online would buy them all, keep them in his basement, and murder every single one of them. So yeah, yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, this oh, that's awesome. This was, a, <laughs> yeah. this was a friend of mine. I don't know how much of a friend he is because I was frustrated <laughs> with him, and, and I was trying to get rid of the damn. But anyway, so I so I got him back, and that and now because now he's involved in it, and then I feel more. Uh, there's more, right? Um, like I, you know, if it's for me, I, I'll do a half-ass job. I mean, right. If it's somebody else's, if it's somebody now. else, yeah, then, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to throw everything in it. So I really started going back and back to the drawing board. Finally, developed a system. There was a lot of surprising issues with that project. Getting them to lay eggs reliably, getting eggs to be fertile. But once I figured it out, it's like stupidly simple. It was all right in front of my face the whole time. And it, it's the one thing that clicks. It's like all yeah. of a sudden, like we were talking with Dr. Ross and he's like, we couldn't get anything to breed. And then we lost power and everything got cold. And then they were breeding like crazy. And it's like, yeah. it's that one thing that just clicks and all of a sudden everything yeah. starts working. So, yeah. yeah. yeah and, that, and that's pretty much though, the uh, entire story of the history of <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, there we go. Happened and it works. Some, <laughs> some guy has some fucking catastrophe, and out of it comes the you know, yeah. some, some light bulb goes off, and like, oh, oh there it shit. is. <laughs> yeah, I, I would imagine that it had to be so exciting back then. Like when you, I mean, you know, it's the same thing when we were talking to to, to Richard Ross. It was kind of like you know, I can't imagine the excitement like it's kind of like we're desensitized a little bit to it nowadays you know and it's like but back then like to get a clutch and then have them hatch of any reptile right you know you just would be like especially especially freaky stuff that like you're like this thing's never she's gravid there aren't that many of these in the u.s and then you have a whole clutch of babies to play with so and, and even more so like with your whole with, with the whole blood boa thing where it's like, yeah. like these things are red and weird and like i don't know if i'm gonna breed them and they're all gonna come out looking normal yeah and then when you breed them they're like nope they're weird still like okay yep. <laughs> just keep going yeah yeah 100 the first time we bred them 100 came out we bred blood to blood and, and okay. they and they were all blood boas and we were like well okay well that's okay, cool. genetic. <laughs> no one no one cared though because they were sent they were central american and at the time if it wasn't gigantic nobody wanted it so i spent like years i was producing them for like five years i could i could barely give them away i mean i i ended up i sold them for like 2500 bucks which was diff, which was decent i mean right not yeah compared to what, but i mean it would they were tough I mean, I, I would get, I would have eight babies and it would take me a year to sell them. It was and tough. And that's insane because can you yep. imagine like now, like right now, yep. if somebody hatched out like an all red retic, like yep. we're talking like uh, people would be tripping over themselves to get it for a ridiculous amount of money. And oh yeah. Like so in, in 2000, mm-hmm. I, I was just like, I, it was either 2000 or 2001. The albino um, tegus were born, which was a shock, and that sent me down another path. And I was, <laughs> I was, and I and oh, I was shit. like, I was like, okay, I was like, I'm tired of spinning my wheels with these blood boas. So I just I sold the project off, and after 10 years of working on it or so, and mm-hmm. then I sold them for like a 1500 bucks a piece or something. And then, to my surprise, a few years later, I go to the freaking Daytona show and I see them on people's tables for like ten grand. And I was like, "What the, <laughs> what the hell happened?" <laughs> I was like, "You got to be shitting me!" And then, 
Fuck. And it was a, it was a, it was a case of that that project was just way too early and and yeah. ar- around the mid two thousands after the when the ball python thing really kind of pulled everybody you know everybody had exploded, the blood yeah. boa was small and it worked perfect in those ball python racks that they had designed you know the yeah. CB seventies and shit so they became super popular. Did it have anything to do with the fact that morphs really weren't a thing or was it the side, like everybody really wanted to, I know when I was around the eighties, like to me, I wanted a Burmese Python. That was like, yeah, I wanted one of them more than anything, you know? Yeah. And I was breeding Burmese in the eighties and then, yeah, yeah, but, but by the time I got the original blood bows in 90, 90 or 91, I think. Okay. Um, And then I produced them like a year, year and a half later, but the morph thing was in full. I mean, as far as at least boas, there was albino boas, which were making a, which were a big deal. Okay. And there was the piebald ball Python. I think that was maybe 95 or so. 95. Okay. So they were, they, it was right there and there was big money being paid for that stuff. But again, yeah. everybody said the same thing. It's a central American boa. No one cares. They're mean. They're, they're small. Right. Like. So I was like, they were like, if it was a Colombian boa, and I was like, well, I could cross it I into there. Do it. Oh, well, no. don't do that. <laughs> Whoa. How Whoa. There'll be, there'll be Whoa. none of that. Whoa. <laughs> so, so um, you know, eventually the the market changed and people kind of came around. Right. It almost seems like there's one animal every couple of years that people are like, it fits in a ball python rock, rack. And then, yep. like, it accelerates to, like, the all the way up because people are like, it does. And then they all buy yeah. it. And um like uh was mexican black king snakes just exploded out of nowhere so yeah blue tongue skinks yep because it fits in a rack cool like yeah i've been producing i was producing those things all through the 90s i used to wholesale babies for like 45 bucks and they were they were hard to sell for northerns now they wholesale for like 250 and you can sell them as fast as you right and that's just for normal run-of-the-mill you know, blue tongues. And I've seen them go, you know, they six, seven, 800 bucks for, for an intermediate, depending on how nice it is. Yeah. So I think I was looking online at, um, white sided black rat snakes, which I bought my pair for like 40 bucks each. Yeah. And I think I saw one for like $250. I'm like the hell. And I'm like, I'm not going downstairs and toss mine together. <laughs> like, you know, just yeah. quick. So yeah, that's a supply and demand issue, man. Yeah. Everybody, everybody got out of colubrids to do ball pythons and then the supply dried up and, but they eventually, you know, the, this is just a never ending, ending cycle. cycle. Yeah. yeah. So it yeah. all comes back around. Yeah. Me and Rob were talking about the, the, you know, you have like dwarf monitors, right. And they seem to sort of, you know, like Ackies and stuff like that seem to sort of be pretty stable in the hobby, but mm-hmm. you have that, next size monitor where you know they're just you have to have like you know specific you you know you're looking at a big huge cage in order to do it and then one person's doing it and they have success and then it's sort of like not many people can do it so then all of a sudden they kind of become super rare again and then you know and you know a couple people keep them and then you know all of a sudden they skyrocket again so it's kind of like this up and down type it's an, of, uh, it's an up and down fluctuation and it always is and it always will be yeah. unfortunately and you know where where things get mixed up is that we have people that do breedings like you and then you have people who do importings like imports as well so it's like you know you're you're breed you're plugged in with breeding tegus and stuff like that but tegus are still being imported correct no uh no more w- I don't think they are anymore. I actually don't own a single tegu anymore. Oh my I, gosh, they're gone. When, when Florida, <laughs> when Florida, um, 
I knew they were going to ban them. There was yeah. just no way we were right. getting out of that. So when I saw that coming, I I sent them uh, out of state to a friend of mine that's building a massive tegu breeding facility in a state that will probably never ban them. Right. <laughs> so, so so all of ours went there. Um, and uh, so I and honestly, man, it, it, for me personally, I spent 20, 25 years with those damn things and it and, and they almost killed me at one point. And so, um, you know, I was kind of glad to see him go. It was like I couldn't let him go. But mm-hmm. when they banned them, they like kind of forced my hand there. And when they were gone, I was like, man, I actually feel good about this. I, just, <laughs> I don't have to think about these fuckers anymore. I don't have to have a garbage can shield to get the eggs from them because they. Fly oh, nice. Oh, nice. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're tame when they're inside, but when they're outdoors, that's a whole different animal. Dude, yeah, I've heard that. That's creatures that The second yeah. they get outside, they're like, clearly I'm back in yeah. the wild and must defend myself and it's like no yeah. you're just outside <laughs> like yeah, yeah. and wow. actually but most of the time it's not even really i don't think it's not really an aggressive in the case of a, a female protecting mm-hmm. her egg that's an aggressive that's aggression thing, yeah. a defensive thing but most of the time it's just feeding response and they just they're not like a big monitor will gently come and take they're so smart they'll just take the the prey right out of your hand mm-hmm. without without damaging you in any way but a tegu just it's just a mouth through the air with and whatever it grabs <laughs> and so grabs just, the finger with the yeah, food just a scaly blender happened. like yeah i got it so yeah yeah i just uh i i was like when i boxed them up i was like you know what this it's good this is i'm fine with this <laughs> you know it sucks for for all these guys that were heavily invested in it though a lot of those those poor yeah. bastards got screwed yeah and um and that it was it's it's bullshit the way it went down but yeah um it was it was more of a sacrificial lamb to appease the public because of all the fucking negative media press and that really yeah. is what what drove it because i was on the original committee that i was I, as far as i know i was the only uh herpeticulturist invited back in 2001 when they first found them mm-hmm. um and they were in tampa at in in these phosphate mine areas and i offered to for free i told them i would go and i'd trap them all and get rid of them i could have wiped out that colony i think um they wouldn't do it they told me they needed to study the problem and i was like well while you're studying that problem that i can i can cage it and make it go away (laughs) like it's yeah well i mean i mean they kind of created that though because those things lay 50 fucking eggs at a time they they hibernate under the ground they don't give a shit about the cold yeah. And and I was like, you know, that's going to multiply really, really fast. It was almost like they kind of wanted that to happen. You know, it's yeah. kind of job security for them if they got yeah. another crisis to manage. Well, now, maybe that wasn't their thinking, but that was the the outcome. So fix one of the other like, you know, don't worry. Let, let's fix this one while you guys are still trying to figure out yeah. what iguanas are and how yeah. we can fix that crisis, because that's out of hand. It seems but. like the human beings history of managing <laughs> wild <laughs> life <laughs> is to destroy it and then so, figure it out later. Not the best at it, you know. Like, huh? We have this beetle well, that's uh, here. Uh, We're gonna cane toads. Cane toads right. will fix it. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's the history of most of the invasives in Florida. As they were, yeah. nidinols were released by the University of Miami as an experiment in the 1950s. <laughs> now they're all over the place. That's I mean, great. they're not a they're not a problem because they're really kind of a non-invasive. They live in city areas where the air, where humans had already basically wiped everything out and they kind mm-hmm. of live off of all of the non-native plants that we planted, you know, that bear fruit. So they eat that <laughs> shit. Right. So, so it's like, so it's like that's, and the iguanas, 
I mean, iguanas have been in Florida since I was a freaking little kid. And, and I know for a fact from people that, you know, that are 80 years old, the iguanas were here the whole time. I mean, they, that wasn't pet trade. Right. They were, they were, they were all over Miami. I mean, from, from the time I was a little kid, you used to see them on the canals and shit. They could have gotten I out would, of freaking banana containers or something well, like that. That's what way I was just going to say. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, I've said this before on the show, but like, I remember I was, I was a seafood manager at the supermarket and seafood would come in with produce. Right. So, um, I'm getting the, 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 the load or what the delivery or whatever, and I'm getting it together. And there's some kid out in front of the seafood counter saying there's a, there's a green lizard out front. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Kid. You know what I mean? And he's like, I swear to God, there's a green lizard right there. I walk around and sure enough, there's this green little baby all. iguana right there. That was oh, iguana. And I was like, holy iguana. shit. No so shit. here I am, you know, Steve Irwin and that shit and thrown it in a box and everybody's like, Oh my God, what is, you know, freaking out. But uh, yeah, man, came yeah. in with the bananas. And see, we in Miami and in Florida, they import lots of exotic trees, especially right. back then. And in those pots, yeah. there are there are eggs. That's how yeah. the cuminoles have gotten moved around so so heavily all over the place is because they basically started living on the grounds where a lot of the palm nurseries were. They lay uh -huh. their eggs, and nitinoles love to lay their eggs in those freaking flower pots. That's how I figured out out of my own nesting system. <laughs> oh. There you go. Oh, there they go. They lay, they, they lay right in the pot. They'll lay one egg every week or so. And so, you know, if there's, if they're, every time they ship out a plot, if there's an egg in there, when the, when it gets to its eventual destination, it's going to hatch and they right. walk out of the ground and, and, and they don't need their parents. So off it goes. No. So it, it's, I mean, I would say Florida is really kind of bad about that. I, I remember driving around um, Daytona and they have in like every single median in the highway, they have a bunch of, palm trees planted yeah. and i'm like those are nice and my fiance is like they're not native i'm like what and she's like those are from like india those aren't the native palm trees right ours don't look as pretty so they brought those in and i'm like well that could be an issue yeah. so it, it, it if you do that and you live in a place where things can thrive relatively easy especially you know li listen if a lizard gets out at eric's supermarket in philadelphia right Dead in October. It is dead in October yeah. if it's not able to be up, if it's not a native species of any kind. So it's not a problem. But Florida, it could easily survive. So yeah. it's just something that you got to kind of understand and deal with, which nobody was really kind of watching for a while. So, yeah, I mean, and while while, you know, in certain cases, humans have definitely um, mm -hmm. assisted in species jumping borders and moving out of their territories. That's the natural progression of nature. Yeah. There are lots of species that are invasive that are, you know, to other countries that they did got there quite on their own without any help from anybody else. Right. So there's all sorts of mechanisms in nature that allow for that kind of expansion. So, I mean, how much of it is really the problem that they try to make it in some cases, you know, there might be a case for the Burmese pythons, although that is, so ridiculously overblown mm -hmm. the, the idea that they've floated that they've wiped out all of these mammals in the everglades is utterly ridiculous <laughs> it's just not even mathematically possible <laughs> there's not like giant vacuum cleaner burmese pythons sucking <laughs> up every fucking I, raccoon I, 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 say, I read something that they're like the, the raccoons are endangered in florida i'm like cool yeah like, come, it's like, come, it's come to not... my house i have no screens on my windows because there's so many raccoons that try to get in the house at night they've ripped all the screens off yeah <laughs> heather and i wow. here we'll be sleeping we'll hear pop 
I'm like, Dicks. What the fuck was that? <laughs> you know, I, I think somebody's trying to break in. I freaking got the shotgun out, you know, and then I look and there's a fucking raccoon holding onto my screen, you know, he pops it out. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> and, and they have literally ripped off every screen on every window of this house. They're <laughs> bold as shit. hell. And then we got them on, we, we have full surveillance. So we pull up the surveillance camera and one, one night I shit you not. There was a trail of six or seven raccoons with a fucking possum in tow walking <laughs> around my house. Like it was like a pack Go of the fuzzy, <laughs> a whole tribe of these little furry assholes trying to get in our house. I was like, you oh, know, man. and we don't do anything about them because we build the cages so they can't get in them. So we don't really care. But I mean, it's a little, it's a little unnerving when you're trying to sleep and it sounds like there's a fucking Some guy trying to break the house. house. Jesus. Freaking big fuzzy trash panda. Exactly. And it, it, <laughs> like <laughs> raccoons are not. Endangered, like you know. Oh no, raccoon population in Florida is dying. Pretty sure the other states got you covered. Like yeah. it's yeah, no, that, that's ridiculous. That's just that's just bullshit. There's no, there's just no way. No. So, but anyway, I guess we kind of got off the hurt. We did. Thing a <laughs> <bit>. oh. <laughs> no worries. It's all it's all good. The whole point. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. No, I was going to say, do you, um, you know, with all those shipments you were getting in and everything, did you, did, I, I'm sure you must have seen like some really cool shit. Is there anything that you'd oh, like, yeah. like either regretted that you didn't get or like, you know, later on down the line didn't have the opportunity then, but you know, I have to work with these at some point in my <laughs> herp career or yeah, like there's, that? there's a lot of that stuff. Um, actually, you know, oddly enough, one of the main things that I really miss chili used to export and uh -huh. i used to buy these chili shipments and mm. i basically get a crate that would have you know 10 different lizard species about 100 of each 150 of each and there was a lot of really awesome shit there that we totally took for granted never they were cheap so they were like these miniature chuck wallas they were okay. these yeah. brightly colored swifts of like all these different species there was a miniature tegu it wasn't oh. a true tegu, but they call them dwarf tegus, but it was kind of like a tegu, kind of like an amoeba. It was, and we used to get all that stuff. There was these lava lizards with these giant heads and, um, and we totally took it for granted. And one day it stopped and it never, they never came back. And, and a it huge terrifies me thing was lost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, wow. a lot of those species were, they did really well in captivity. Um, they were, they were fairly simple, um, so that kind of sucks. I I look back at that and go, man, if I would have set up those Chuck Wallas and those little Tegus, mm -hmm. any of those Swifts as I could have handled. But at the time, those those lizards were all a couple dollars each, and nobody cared. And right. So and we thought it was never going to end. I mean, it's like the monkey tail skinks. They yeah. Were, I mean, they were everywhere. Mangrove monitors and all those different boas, Solomon Island boas and stuff. So. Cool. That's you know, more and more of a threat, dude, of like, you know, someplace yeah. shutting down and then it's gone because nobody took the time to set it up. So Yeah. I mean, I've heard Nick Mutton and other people talk mm. about the, the phenomenon that one or two guys will hold an entire project. I'll keep it alive in the U.S. And then when they stop doing them a couple of years later, there's none it's left. Gone. And, yeah. right. and where there's a bunch of different things that are in danger like that. I mean, yeah. you know, especially with Varanids. So that's the one that's the thing I'm most concerned about, but I just can't 
handle much more. I mean, I have Spencer Eye and and Lace, and those are the two that I'm really focused on. We have a bunch of Mertens and nice, and, uh, yeah, and Blackbirds. But cool, you know, all outside, right? All have you always oh, yeah. kept outside? Is yeah, it yeah. always been? Yeah, always been outside. Yeah, because I mean, I, I I do have indoor you know setups and and a few things here and there like the crusty geckos i have to keep in air conditioning but right um for mo- the majority of my career everything was done outdoors uh, i just i live in a place where it's stupid not to do that yeah H- have you noticed the, the you know any differences um talking to scott Iper and he was saying about how he noticed that his imbricata seems to, like the snakes that he's keeping outside that their, their skin almost seems tougher you know, yep. like uh, it's not it's not as soft and delicate as, uh, as some of the uh, pythons that he keeps inside. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, so Heather, who is my girlfriend and partner in all this, she was breeding bearded dragons indoors for 14 years. And I've been breeding okay. them out. I've been breeding them outdoors for about 30 years now because they were always kind of the thing that powered you know, my ability to go out and do shit that may not breed and, you know, hard stuff. But I always, right. need, I do this for a living. I always needed something that I could pay the bills on and dragons are mm-hmm. extremely reliable. Sure. But one of the things that she noticed right away when we first got together, when I merged my colony with hers is that mine were like super hard and <laughs> really, they, yeah, they were, they were really hard skinned and, and they're, they were just, they feel different. You know, when you raise right. them indoors, mm-hmm. Um, it's just not the same and and it could yeah. be there could be a lot of reasons for that it could be the sunlight but it also could be just the fact that you know when you have them outside you can have them in bigger enclosures with lots more places to climb on so they build muscles differently and it's hard to pull that off in in inside because you know the space is finite and um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of things there's definitely a difference and and uh i totally could see that with with the snakes, I, I had some Bolivian and I actually the um, the uh, Spilotes that we keep are kept outdoors all year. And those. Jeez. Yeah, those things are psycho, man. <laughs> <laughs> they go for your face every time. It's so unnerving. Excellent. Wow. It's on that. that gotta love that. Yeah. Thank God they don't bite. They just they they hit you and it's but, <laughs> they just pretty well, much punch you in the yeah, head. It's yeah. like, but, it's, but that strike is just, I mean, there's just something, you know, even if you're not, I mean, I'm not scared of snakes. I've, I've had, you know, 18 foot pythons and right. giant imported red tail, Suriname red tails that would tear your face off if they could. But there's just something about that strike, even though they don't hurt and you get hit, it bounces off your forehead. You're like, you fucker. <laughs> yeah. You you yeah. asshole. Yeah. We can all relate. Yeah. You sure. made contact with my head. Yeah. It's, it's always avoid face bites. Everything else fine. But you know, you, you touch You know what the worst thing about that is is I have the whole bottom I have the whole thing the whole thing is cork bark, yep. right? And 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 I have to kind of the cage has a big top on it with a front open door. So when I open the door, I actually have to kind of stick my head in and look down. Uh-huh. And they they hide in the cork bark. You can't see them until all you see is they just. It's it's like it's like that Tremors movie, you know. The fucking, it's a horrible game of whack a mole. Yeah. It's like yeah. Damn things. They're cool as shit, though, man. I, I love those things. They're 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 about as hardcore as any big branded I've ever worked with. They're, they're kind of they're they're something. Wow. If I could, I, I would. Those. I mean, yeah. There's too many species that I'm like. If I could, I would. Which I assume it. I assume that that was one of the main things of why so many of like the weird projects in your early days 
may have gotten away from use because it's like I don't have an airplane hanger that I can fill with yeah. reptiles. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I've I've had a lot of cool shit. I had I got one of the first sulfur water monitors that ever came. Dude, in. that's cool. That was it. That was it strictly, and and I pulled that out and sold that to a guy in Chicago, a friend of mine, and and stuff like that. I I've had all that stuff. So much stuff come through my hands over the years that. Sometimes I'll sit and I'll start talking about it. Heather's like, what the hell's wrong with you? Why you had all these like big projects. And <laughs> I was like, yeah, but eh. you know, when you, when you literally just pull them out of shipments and you don't really pay that much for them it, and, and there was so much coming right. in at the time, you know, it was like, you know, I don't know. It, it was crazy though. There was, it was, it was good, man. I used to bop around all pretty much every day I was at some import facility. I basically what I would do is I would go out in the morning at 10 AM. I drive up and down the streets of Miami collecting Cuban and oils until I got 50 or a hundred. Then I would drive over to these import facilities and like, here's your order. I'm going to go through your shit. You just got in. <laughs> I'm going to take uh, your stuff and then I'm out. I, yeah. I, 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 I almost never got paid. I would always end up walking out of there with more shit than, and I would usually owe them money. At <laughs> so, so I was stuck in this constant loop of having to go back out and catch stuff to pay for the shit that I took the day before only to buy more shit that would then put me further in the hole. Yep. And, uh, but you know, I do, I do miss that, that those days are pretty much over and right. there is one or two import places, uh, left in Miami that are still doing a little bit, but you just, uh, it's nowhere near what it used to be. And you can see that it's definitely dying. Right. So. It seems like there are more people that do imports that are maybe importing to, like, I, I know there's some, the, there are other importers outside of Miami or Florida, but it doesn't seem like it was like Miami and Florida seemed to be like the definite hub and almost like the birthplace yeah. of the reptile hobby kind of a deal. So, yeah, Miami was the, like I said, they, those guys, I mean, you know, they would come, people would come from all over the, the U S to go through shipments yeah. and, and pick stuff up. And, um, you know, all, most of the big ones were there. They, there was LA reptile in uh, Christine Roche's place mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. And she was, she was a very, she was probably the, maybe the largest importer. If not, if not, she was number two, but she was somewhere in there top one or two. And I actually used to, so it was funny because Chris at LA reptile hated strictly, reptiles. <laughs> and strictly, strictly reptiles was right down the street from my house. Right. And, and I was friends with both of them. Right. Okay. And, and Chris would want to sell stuff to strictly, but couldn't bring herself to do it. So she would ship me these shipments <laughs> And I would literally go and pick them up and then drive them over to Strictly and sell them to them. I'd get a cut. Chris would be happy. She felt like she was sticking it up their ass, forcing them to buy her stuff. Right. It was, it was, it was, it was shit, man. <laughs> That's nuts. I, it was, there was all that dumb stuff that went on. And one day I snuck her in. She came to, she came down to Florida. Mm-hmm. She wanted to see Strictly. So she stayed at my house. We got up in the morning. She goes, how are you going to get me in there? I'm like, look, I'm just going to tell them you're my aunt. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know me. Like they don't know yeah. past a certain yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I get her, I get her in there. She's walking around. She's like, I can't believe it. You know, and she's taking, she's like taking pictures and shit. And she's walking all around strictly with totally impunity. And they hated her gut <laughs> on the way, on the way out, we're walking out and I think it was Howard Fluker was coming in right. and he recognized her mm-hmm. and I was like, Oh fuck. So <laughs> we get, we get in the car and we leave 
And about half an hour later, my beeper starts going off. It's strictly reptiles. And I was like, oh, fuck. So I, I didn't answer it. I go home and there's this message. You cocksucker. <laughs> motherfucker. Oh, he was screaming. Oh my God. He's like, you snuck her into my fucking place. And <laughs> Mike was so pissed. We didn't talk to each other for like a year after that. Oh, wow. <laughs> it, was, it, was a, it was a bad time. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but, uh, Eventually, he got over it, and we, you know, right. we, we've been friends ever since. But he was – man, I've never had that many expletives on my, <laughs> on my answer machine. This was one of those good – it was a good one. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. That's the kind of, that's the kind of dumb shit when, that went on. But, uh, well, it's good to know that the same kind of like drama and <laughs> dumb shit crap yeah, and dumb know, right? shit that it happened, hasn't changed. that's happening now. But like it just seems like now we just get – like see it videos. on Facebook. Right? <laughs> yeah, the, the the Facebook thing is something else. Oh man. god, yeah, yeah. It's no, it's 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 no. I mean, no one serious posts in most the majority of those groups, and that's because nobody wants to have that shit slug fight. Yeah, you, you go. Know, with, yeah. Why am I yeah, fighting with somebody who? I think doesn't... that's the thing I I miss about the forums the most, right? You know, it was yep. like a lot of like, even though there was, you know, like there was, I mean, there was some battles on some forums, you know. <laughs> there was, <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, it was it was different. Like you, uh, I don't know. It, it, Maybe it was because you didn't have like everybody with the like uh, there was a certain level of uh, maybe respect is the word to where like the lurkers would sort of just sit back and read it as opposed to like, oh, I got to put my two cents into this when you don't know shit. Um, <laughs> and like, you know, I, I don't know. I learned so much from reading posts like that, you know, because you sort of like are hearing two sides of, of, of a debate, but they're talking about the you know, like keeping the animal or breeding the animal or, or the purity of an animal, whatever you, you pick the topic or whatever, but mm -hmm. you know, it was like, now it's just like, you know, we're arguing about dumb stuff. <laughs> like I, <it's> just <laughs> dumb, dumb shit. It's like yeah. dumb shit. Yeah. It doesn't even matter. You know, battles when they're intelligent conversations are necessary right. and they're good. Yeah. Yes. The outcome is a hundred percent positive. Even if the two, pig-headed assholes walk, walk away <laughs> angry at each other. Positive things came from that. Both of them got something out of it. Everybody reading it got something out of it, and it made everything better. Even if even if you still, you know, even if each side is pitched in a corner and refusing to concede at all, you you get a lot out of those things. But you don't when it's this, this stupidity that you see in almost those Facebook groups where somebody posts something, then some other idiot makes a judgment based on a single photo and then uh, makes some negative offhanded comment. And then they all just pile on with more stupid shit. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? You can't possibly draw that conclusion right. with the little the pittance of information that you have. Right. So at what point, you know, it's just like critical thinking just fucking dies. Yes. Yeah. And and uh that's i mean if everybody just stopped one like i said in the beginning if you try to remain agnostic about everything then you can make advancements yeah. mm -hmm. if you if you get into if you get into a belief on something you're pretty much have damned yourself to be stuck there even if you're wrong and man there've been plenty of times where i thought i knew something for sure only to have it totally upended on me, you know, a couple years down the road or something where I'm like, oh, shit, that wasn't right at right. all. I, you know, it's the whole 
causation correlation mm-hmm. problem. A lot of people don't seem to grasp that simple concept. And I'm actually looking forward to the Julander Fight Club thing because that is exactly what's needed. Yes, it is. That's a really good idea. Mm-hmm. I saw that today. He posted that, and I was like, that's fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's um, the perfect guys to do it, right? You know, because right. yeah, uh, I agree. You know, Justin yep. and Chuck are, you know, <laughs> are very Chuck smart. was it. <laughs> Chuck was at the center of several of those fights on, <laughs> yeah, on the Morelia Fight on Forum. So we know we know yeah. Chuck can fight. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't think I know him, but I know Justin yeah. from uh, you know, he's got some lizard uh, tendencies. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so that's how I know him. And yeah, he I saw that and I was like, wow, that's that's, that's a good one. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I mean, all the ones you guys have are all. Every good. once in a while, we, we have a good one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. They're legitimately all good. There, I always get something. I feel like I get something out of almost every one that I've listened to. See, because you guys ask good questions, you have good guests. It's basically very old school. Yeah. You guys are doing. You guys have created a herp nerd network, that, that, and, and you've managed to yeah. write that down. We know, might you, rename the network to that. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna put it on a T-shirt, right? Put that. We'll just work. Yeah, yeah we'll work on that. Yeah. <laughs> just, uh, I mean, I mean, that's 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 what that's what's that's what's sorely missing. So yeah, yeah I, I I, I think that what's dri- what drives me to, to to keep doing it is is that you know it's like I I feel like I feel like people have given me information with you know talking to different people through the years of. Uh, with all this knowledge of you know on NPR and then getting to know people and then being able to talk to them personally and whatnot and it's like I, I don't know I feel a certain responsibility to sort of pass it forward to the next group of of herpers yeah. you know and 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 hopefully somebody takes it and hands it to the next group and and it keeps going on and on and on you know yeah. and and we keep yeah, figuring I, shit I mean, out you know I totally agree that's that's why I always release everything if I come across an idea and I think that it might have some merit at all I just put it out there I'm not saying that I write I'm not saying that I know anything but I put it out there so that maybe somebody else will come along that's smarter than I am and say oh you know what and then chain some two things together that I hadn't put together and then unlock something new you know at some point it's gonna because there's still a long way to go I mean we we had, we don't have this shit figured no, out. No hell no. I can't now. I my teamwork yeah. pythons are staring at me and they're like, You don't know you right. have no fucking <laughs> yeah. you have no fucking clue you what you're doing. Go, and yep. I'm like, stop mocking me. Yeah, it, <laughs> these are arguments I have daily. So right. it's um yeah. but yeah. It, and also the things are ever evolving. Like, you know, Ron, you're working with Lace Monitor right now. Yep. Like what like way back when that must have been something that you thought was going to be completely unobtainable at one point. Yeah, and and yeah. to watch that progress to the point where you have them, I mean, that must have been something really cool to ha- to 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 sit through and have happen. Because I know we've done that with rough scale pythons and things like that. So I mean, yep. so what was all that about? Yeah, I mean, that for me mm-hmm. personally, the lace monitor is the pinnacle of what that that's that was the end game for me. Mm-hmm. Like I I used to fucking drool over those photos in like you know the cogger book and some of those yeah. other ones and i and like you said they were relatively unobtainable now there i knew of one pair that uh, i posted a photo of um on facebook recently an old photo of me holding one of them in 91 I saw that yeah that was a mm. pet farm um and that was the only pair i'd ever come into contact with and they kind of bounced around the u.s and not much really came of them and i really thought and 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 there was no bells phase they were just you know the black yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. Which I, like I would have been happy yeah. with that. I, I like the black. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I, I agree. Yeah. I like, I like them all, yeah. but, um, <laughs> but, but I never thought at all I would ever see Bell's face. I figured that was just never going to happen. And I, and I honestly kind of gave up on that. Um, by the mid nineties, they, you know, they kind of disappeared and I knew they went to, Fr- I think they went to Frank. I think that's the pair that Frank Reedus had for a while. And, Nothing seemed to really come of him. You never really heard anything about it, so I assumed that he couldn't get him to go, mm-hmm. or they, they weren't it. You know, they weren't breeding, whatever. Right. So I kind of wrote him off, and then um, I think it was 2010. I was at Daytona, and there was a bunch of captive-born babies from Europe, from a European zoo with papers and totally legal. So I was, I they were still way out of my financial. I was like, it's worse. <laughs> yeah. I was, but, but I was happy to see him and I figured, well, hopefully, you know, there wasn't many of mm-hmm. them. I think there was like 10 or 15, right. them, but I was like praying that they got into the hands of people that would do something. Right. With them. And, and that's exactly what happened. And uh, Don church and Brian Waterloo and uh, John Egan, mm-hmm. a couple of the guys, they got them going. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a result, they became available and then, um, but I still, they, they, they're, I mean, if I had to buy them now, I still couldn't, they, they're out of my reach financially, but a buddy of mine to actually two friends, uh, after I got divorced in 2016 and, um, I was kind of home, I was homeless for a year, but when I say that it's, I'm being somewhat disingenuous. I was bounced. I was couch surfing right. for a year. <laughs> I, I'd sold everything off. And, um, so two of my buddies were like, you know, they were doing well and they were like, I want to, you know, if I buy a bunch of shit, you want to try to breed it. And I was like, okay, I, I, I never took breeding loans up to this, but at this point I didn't really have a plan. Um, so they basically got me all the shit that I always wanted and could never <laughs> afford. <laughs> and part of that was these seven lace monitor adults and, um, and then uh, and the Spencers and the Mertons and the, wow. all the blue tongues and the blue tongue morphs. And like so seven. I have Ossipitalis and the Niger Latias. And oh, wow. I don't I don't really po- po- post that much because one, um, they're just now they're just going to they're right now breeding for the first time. And two, I don't intend to sell any babies. For <laughs> These are mine. A year Go to day. hell. Yeah. Yeah. I, want, <laughs> yeah. I need to I need to build a, up some assurance colonies mm-hmm. for my own. Um, but you know, they, they put them up. So two years ago I got them and, uh, I, I couldn't believe it. I still, they're right outside this, on the other side of this wall right mm-hmm. here. And there's, we have a huge back porch and I, I sit out there all the time and just watch all the lace monitors are along the entire back porch. So I just sit out there and Heather and I'll sit there and shoot the shit. That, that must be awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. We built an enormous, they're eight by eight by eight cages with multiple levels and you know they have they have a subfloor and and they're made out of super heavy i don't know what where i saw it but you were on some youtube chat some some youtube show and they were showing it that what was that what was where did i watch that that? well dave dave coffin was was here recently Mm -hmm. so was camp cannon okay yeah both of them uh Dave came out to do a thing on the bearded dragons and he was like, Holy shit, I didn't know you had all this stuff. I was like, Yeah, <laughs> two episodes. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what happened. He's like, I'm staying here for a couple more hours. All right. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, yeah, good. we didn't even get to. I mean, we have a huge colony of Agurnia, Cunningham, nice. I, two different forms, and oh, they're all breeding right now. So hopefully. Yeah, but well, it's then, like. I, I, well, I mean, way, I know what I need to. That's I was looking at all that, right like, where it that is, kind yeah. of stuff. I'm like, oh, OK. <laughs> I'll hook you up. But but at one point, Ron, you must have been like, I'll be happy with one one lace monitor. And then now you're like, well, there are seven in my backyard. It's like that's that's yeah. gotta be Yeah, awesome. I, I just got the second clutch of eggs two oh. days ago. So. Oh, that's awesome. And that's awesome. Yeah. So I think all three females are gonna go this year and hopefully uh yeah, I'm stoked, man. I, I like I said that for me, that's pretty much the end game. I, that's just that's the. It's not a bad end game. That's my bowl, that's my bowling. So what you're saying uh, is, although although bowling's are on that list. <laughs> so what you're saying is, is that there is hope for me for Imbricata and Owen Pellies, right? Is that yeah, is that it? Just yeah. just hold 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 the hold line. Strong. <laughs> I mean, all it's going to take is for them to make it in the zoo system. Yeah, and that could literally happen. You yeah. know, the, I I. Or, I mean, I don't know how feasible it is. I've heard over the years that Australia may eventually start exporting captive bred stuff. That too. I, I wish. If that happens, but, Eric but, and I are going to Australia. We're buying a shipping container and then yes. we're coming home. Yeah. Broke and very, very, very happy. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I could I could see that. I mean, if they wanted to end smuggling, there'd be no that, reason. That's to it. And, and that. also that's boost it. your that's economy. It. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. So. Put it back into conservation, whatever. You yeah, know. I, I don't mean, care. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Man, can you imagine how many of us would just be throwing? Dude, I tell, tell them me. all the time. I'm like, I would just throw money at you. Oh, yeah, <laughs> just, just tell me what paperwork I got to file. I'll file it, and then you know what? I know yeah. several hundred friends who will yeah. get in on the shipment from me. Like, yeah. Well, we'll be meeting that thing yeah. in Philly Airport. With I'm a, curious with all the <clears throat> imports you saw and everything that you were dealing with. Did you ever, you know, I guess we can't be Morelia Python Radio without asking. Did you yes. ever come across carpets or anything like that? Actually, mm -hmm. I was I was on the uh, the original Irian IJs, whatever you want right, to call yeah. them. Whatever makes you happy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I creamed those shipments. I had red ones that I pulled out of there. I had I had bright yellow ones i had like green ones i used to go through those pretty hard i was actually setting those up myself i really like carpet pythons right. but it was just at the time i was i, I was it was right around the same time the blue tegus came in uh -huh. and uh, <laughs> i produced those like within six months of getting those and and the demand was just ridiculous Jesus. Like, I, I, I was unprepared for that so i was like oh well shit i need to focus on this so sure. i I sold up pretty much everything off so I could build this thing. And eventually I ended up with 250 adult tagers. Holy so, shit. Oh, it was a nightmare. <laughs> that was, let me tell you something. That was, Holy shit. that, that was one of the worst things I've ever done. Was one of those ideas where you, you look back and you go, what the fuck was the hell thinking? were you I thinking? I'm asked. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was doing real well when I had 30 pet tagus, almost, you know, like 80% of them were producing. Uh -huh. But it turns out that when you try to have 250 tagus, they tend to eat more than you can afford to feed. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't really work out. You have to cut 
once you have to start cutting costs, everything goes to right. shit. Mm. So I was using lesser grade food, whereas the other ones were getting like fresh fruit, right. fresh, you know, rodents, stuff like that. I ended up having to use, I tried to get away with turkey diet, which does work to some degree, but not really as well as what I was doing previous. And so there was a lot of issues with it. And by the time I, and I'm a stubborn idiot. So by the time I realized that the whole ship was sinking, um, it pretty much sunk. And I ended up, I ended up, and actually at that point I called all the wholesalers I know. And I was like, come up here. I was living in Palm beach Mm -hmm. at the time, like bring pillowcases, go in my backyard, any blue tagus are a hundred bucks for the adults. The black and whites are 50 bucks. The reds are 75. You pick. And they were walking out with albi- adult albinos for a hundred bucks. I didn't give a shit. I, I, I didn't even go out and look what they were putting in the bags. I just like go back there, bring the bags up. Tell me how many are in there. And a uh, wow. bunch of guys. I was just, I had given up at that point and I was going to quit. I was going to actually video game for a living. Oh yeah. I was <laughs> really, I was setting up, I was making pretty good money, uh, selling um game currency for okay. uh, an mmo called everquest and and final fantasy mm-hmm. online so gotcha and i didn't it was like no work it was all <laughs> it's not right. 250 tegus coming at you at one time yeah i got you. yeah <laughs> wow and i almost and i almost did that but it got turned thank thankfully I got my head out of my ass about a year. I took, I sold my house. It was at the height of the bubble. So I had enough money that I could live for a couple of years without having to work. So I just kind of, I bought a mobile home, slapped it on my, my parent, my parents had 10 acres and I slapped a mobile home on there. And then I sat around for a year trying to figure out what the hell I was going to do next. And eventually Mark Bell um, offered to, for me to basically breed bearded dragons for him. Oh, okay. So I started, I started breeding dragons on a large scale again. And then eventually, you know, that kind of pulled me back in and then I started getting better stuff and kind of got back going again. But that almost, that almost ended me. And I, I will never make that mistake again. Right. That was one of those learning experiences. It's just yeah. a lot of lizard. I, I, I know we sit here and I'm like, I probably have about 200 snakes at the peak of my season when all the little babies have hatched that is a lot of lizards and that's only one project like you didn't just have the 250 tegus right you had other stuff right well actually at the at yeah no at the point where i had that many tegus i had gotten rid of everything that was and that was part of the problem when you haven't when you only have one thing and you have an off year you're fucked right yeah nothing to back it up yeah and and so i that's that's how I ended up. I was a gamer for my entire life, mm. and I realized, hey, I can. So I was actually paying my bills by video gaming and then working on the Tegu thing. But the 250 Tegus turns out will, you know, drain you dry. Right. Uh, God, that's so, going to be a lot of. That's a lot of mouths to feed. Yeah, and I mean, and, it, and honestly, if you look at the history of mm. it, everyone that's attempted to do Tegus on that scale has failed. Wow. Yeah, they're just one of they're one of those animals that is just. It, they're just not suited for that that kind of commercial herpetoculture. Were that. you doing this all yourself? All yourself, right? Uh, it's always been me. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, I have no employees or anything. Right. I mean, it was uh, back then. It was me and Stella, wow. and now it's me and Heather mm-hmm. do all this. 
Uh, I'll be honest, she works way harder. Than <laughs> <laughs> Heather Heather does all the bearded dragons, which are super freaking intensive, you know, labor laborious stuff. Um, I just kind of putz around and fuck around with giant monsters and <laughs> with just and collect toss them together <laughs> and then sit back yeah. in the porch and be like, eh, I'll figure it out. <laughs> with, keep, with keeping them outside, does that sort of take away some of the, um, you know, uh, the keep up the labor. labor with them? Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. 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 Because if you, if you have, if the cages are large enough and you, you know, you have them directly on the ground and, and, you know, they have a natural substrate that's bioactive. Right. And yeah. as long as you keep the densities low, you know, you don't, if you don't overcrowd them, you never have to clean them. Right. I mean, the, the anything gets taken, the, in the natural insects take care of it all. Right. And, and the, and the, obviously the bioactive stuff. So, you know, my, my, um, my in-laws live in Florida and I toyed with the idea for me and Dory have toyed with it. And so is Owen. Uh, yeah, he was, his fiance was, I was really toying with the idea when I saw the electric bill this month, really toying with the idea of going to Florida. (laughs) But what, 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 what I'm afraid of is that, you know, because because of all the laws and everything it seems that that's the hot spot you know but it's also the pretty much the spot if you want to keep stuff outside it's like mm-hmm. perfect you know it's perfect mm-hmm. yeah i mean honestly i think there's a i don't, I don't I, how can i say this um i think there's a lot of people that think the sky is falling right. and i think there's a lot of people that think nothing's going to happen and i think the truth is in the middle right i think yeah i don't think we're going to see much more than what we have already seen because for a couple reasons one like i said earlier there's job security if Mm -hmm. if a regulating agency has no one to regulate yeah what do you do yeah (laughs) so they're not going to they're not going to they're not going to kill us completely. And I don't think we're going to see this, you know, like the, immediately after this started, there's people running around. Oh, they're going to ban bearded dragons and leopard geckos. And I kept hearing this rumor. And so I, I, I being the agnostic asshole that I am, I needed to check. Right. So I, so I vetted the hell out of this over a couple of days and found out that it all came back to the same source and it was not credible. Gotcha. So, it was more – I don't think it was an intentional thing. Sure. I think it was just people just jumping to conclusions because this thing happened. And, uh, and But I – so I don't think that's going to happen. I do think that if we don't uh, get off our ass and build a stronger um, – build US Arc to be stronger than it currently is, I do think that you know we, we are going to you know lose more and more things over time. So I think everybody needs to be – cognizant of that fact that we we need to build a strong lobby i i i don't like anything to do with politics or any of the shitty any, any more than anybody else but it's, it's the way the world works just, you know it's yeah it's the way it yeah. works and so it's kind of a necessary evil i do think phil goss does a great job i i trust that guy um and i think that uh you know i i, I mean we we are i don't i don't know heather takes care of all that so i'm not sure exactly but i know we're like like silver members it's whatever the most we could afford right um, and uh, but i mean if everybody you know does the bare minimum or whatever if everybody does it right. then they'll be pretty strong i mean that's how the nra works sure i, mean, I don't yeah. think that and i just wish there was a way that you know i, I don't know you tell me back in the in in, in the beginning of the of the hobby was there more uh 
you know, maybe were like the different factions of the hobby where they all sort of like at the end of the day that they come together. Um, it seems like, you know, it's split between monitor keepers and snake keepers. And, and then you go even deeper, you got colubrid keepers and Python keepers, and then you got the bioactive keepers that are within. So like each group yeah. even breaks down more and more and more even and further. Yeah. yeah. You know? Um, I mean, I think to some degree it's all, I mean, humans are tribal hairless. Yeah. Never <laughs> Very <change>. true. <laughs> so, 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 you know, that we just kind of, I don't know. I've tried, I've done, I've tried to, to, I'm cognizant of that fact. So I try to not be that guy. Right. And so I actually kind of move in a whole bunch of different circles. Cause I, I legitimately like it all. Right. And I, and I watch what other people are doing. I mean, I'm huge fans of like tons of people right. mm -hmm. that have never met me, right. but I see the work that they're doing and I'm like, man, that's really fucking awesome. And if I see it when I happen to be on Facebook, which isn't that often these <laughs> days, but I'll. I'll, you know, share it and stuff like that. Cause so, uh, you know, they get some, a little bump off right. of that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I just think, I do think we need to realize that we're all, if we're going to be fucking tribal, we're all the same damn tribe. If you're right. breeding tiny little tree frogs and you do them by bioactive or you're breeding giant monitors and freaking, you know, shoe boxes, whatever, right. you sure. know, whatever dumb shit people are arguing about now, we're all in the same fucking boat together right and that boat if that boat sinks we're all going it, they, they don't care mm -hmm. that you have that yeah you think you're doing it the right yeah. way and everybody they else don't they don't yeah no we're all, we're all, we're all the same we're all in the same boat we're we're i think we're viewed we're i mean we're kind of a counterculture hobby yep you know we're all you have to do is go to these shows to know they're all tattooed up you know and uh we're a bunch of kind of outsiders all of us kind of share that common theme i think for the most part there's not really many normal people in this <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> uh, very so, true so, if, so so i mean you know yeah try try to go to a, a you know like a normal dinner meeting and and discuss the shit that we talk about tonight <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah okay, yeah huh? and people are like hmm. so <laughs> well, yeah, yeah wait a minute <clears throat> so by the end you're the freak and so i mean if we I, I just i i think you know everybody needs to kind of back off on that uh, like i said it's arguing over over you know ways to make things better is totally necessary yeah. but fighting over you know pointing the finger at one guy saying you're not doing it right you're you're an animal abuser because of this that and the other thing when it's absolutely you have no I, I just see this all the time. It, there's all sorts of things, you yeah. know, like the, the rack versus no rack debate and all this dumb right. shit. They're, they're, those racks are useful for certain sure. things. Yeah. Just like big cages are useful for certain mm -hmm. things. I, far be it from me to point the finger at anybody else, however they're doing it. Their animal's healthy, appear, you know, out, obviously appears healthy because that's the only thing you're going to know. Right. And, and they look well taken care of. That's none of my fucking business. How what they're doing over there—that's their gig, right. and they know better than I do what's best for them. So, you, you know what sure. I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I think I think uh, at least for me, one thing that sort of like uh, put me in the mindset of of being more open minded to other things was like working with different species. And I I, I noticed the more I talk to people that 
are not just a carpet python person or you know a, a dart frog person and 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 they sort of like even if they don't necessarily keep other species they at least right. look into another species you know and like yeah. you know one of the things that keith has inspired me to is like you know he to to what you were saying earlier with his posts and stuff and he's talking about when he bred you know all these different kind of birds and stuff and like he, you know he's and yeah. it's like you start to open your mind and you're like wait a minute and i you know like nature is like it's not just like one little thing it's like all these different yeah. things that will probably be impossible to ever know what is actually going on and why one thing interacts with another but man it's fascinating to try to figure it out and and when you open your mind to sort of look at other other avenues um i think it it it, it rounds you out as a as a keeper better you know i i, I don't know I, I that's what i see a lot with like uh, you know even like my dad he never when he kept herps he never was like oh i'm just a a Burmese python guy. He's like, no, he's right. like, I'm, Burm, I'm a rattlesnake, rattlesnake and this and that, you know, he's just like, yep. it's like, that's a cool reptile. And that's what he, that's what it yep. was, you know? Um, so I don't know. I don't know. You have any thoughts on that? <laughs> I mean, I personally studied aviculture, aquaculture. Um, I've looked, I've looked at all of it, uh, you know, commercial, uh, exotic mammal breeding, you know, how they keep stuff, how zoos keep stuff. Right. I have stolen things from every one of those things. I've looked, I've looked into heart, like we were talking about before it started. I've looked into, you know, palms and cycads and how they go about doing all that stuff. Every time I've looked into something like that, I have taken away things that were useful to what I right. do. So, I, you know, I mean, just like with the giant, with the giant anoles, I needed to come up with a plant that I could have in a fucking pot <laughs> that I could literally rip out of the pot every seven days and find the egg that's buried in there and not kill the right. plant and be able to put it back in there, cover it back up with cocoa fiber. And the plant would live because they get expensive when you start murdering plants <laughs> yeah. left and right. And, and, and that would work for the situation. And it had to have, you know, a large kind of, uh, bare stump uh, you know stalk that they could hang upside down sure. on because if they can't hang upside down then i noticed that their legs mm -hmm. don't develop right so i had to, i had all these things and because i had a cursory knowledge of plants i was able to come up with something that that worked um, wow that's awesome so yeah you're you're totally right dude i mean you know even if you don't even look to the other disciplines and you just look within herpetoculture it's a wide field yeah. i mean yeah yeah the the gulf between, you know, a dart frog breeder and a and a reticulated python breeder is deep and wide, and in between those two things is a massive amount of completely viable herpetoculture species that that are they work well that are relatively easy to accommodate for, and um, and none of them, even including the the more common things like leopard geckos and and uh, bearded dragons, they all could be done better or differently. I'm sure. Yeah. I we just haven't haven't come across them. Or had the sure. chance. Like, yeah. I mean, and I and I like what you're saying about like you you noticed that the legs weren't developing, so you changed it up a little bit. I wonder yeah. how many people in like herp the culture now are just like, well, they, they get a little wonky for a couple of years. The big thing I always have is like blackheads and their feeding and stuff like that, where it's like, well, we got the babies. Yeah. They're problematic feeders and they suck doing this. It's like, but 
They oh, shouldn't be. They're not problematic feeders. Yeah. We're just I mean, feeding I, them the wrong fucking thing. Thank you. Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like there should be. I, I wish. I've always thought that. <laughs> I wish we would start, or or I wish there was a way to start like breeding tiny ass skinks. Because then it's like, well, it's not eating. Here's the skink, and then it would finally just latch right onto it. So, well, there is the pictus gecko. Uh, okay. I don't know if you. I don't know if you've ever. I got a story about. Oh, okay. go ahead. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> About 10, 15 years ago, my buddy Steve Moy is he he's the manager for Reptile Industries, and he's cranking out. He has a little shed in his backyard. Mm-hmm. He's cranking out these pictus geckos. He's been doing it for like twenty five years. So about f- 10, 15 years ago, I guess it was ten years ago, I went out to his house to see him, and we were shooting the shit. He's like, "Hey, you got to look at all these these weird pictus geckos that I produce now." So I go out to the shed. There's like 2,000 pictus geckos Jesus. in there. And he <laughs> he pulls out box after box after box with – there was like 15, 20 different mutations that he was producing. Holy like shit. albinos wow. and piebalds and stripes and tri-stripes and red ones and yellow ones. And I was looking at all this shit and I was like, holy crap, dude. You know, he's like, oh, yeah, I just – you know, I started keeping all the cool ones back and and breeding them together, and I, and so he had all these morphs. He had solid black eyed ones and crazy shit. So I was like, at the, when I saw that, I was like, oh my god, this is a new thing. Mm-hmm. It's just going to take somebody to go out there and and really you know pimp them out <laughs> to the really, public yeah. and say, look, look at this cool lizard. Yeah. You know, I was like, so, so I was like, how how much do you want for? He's like, oh, four fifty. Four dollars and fifty cents each. each. And I was Holy like, crap! All right, well, I'll be right back with a truck. Like, <laughs> so I bought, so I bought five hundred of them. <laughs> <laughs> what a took all day to cup them. <laughs> Dumbest shit. It wasn't even half of them though. It's like, so, so I go home. I had five hundred tiny little babies, you know. And I, I, but I had this this huge rack system that was perfect for them. I used to breed commercial leopard geckos mm-hmm. in them. So I was like, yeah, I, those racks have been sitting there doing nothing. I'll, you know. So I set all these these geckos up like five tiny little geckos to a to a you know like the baby ball python box. It's like eighteen inches long or whatever right. it is. So I put five in each one. I got a hundred of those, and I just start feeding them. Didn't really think much of them, you know. I expected them to start maybe breeding in like six to eight months or something like that. Ten months. Mm-hmm. Two months into this. I go out in the K in the things one day and I start putting food in there and I start finding eggs. Okay. And these were fresh hatchlings. Holy shit. When I got them. Oh, they were, they were less than they were less than an inch. And in two months they started breeding. And I mean I fa- I pulled like a thousand eggs. Oh, oh my, my god. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, wow, this is a freaking disaster. I can't this is way I didn't expect anything like this. Wow. So I ended up I, I ended up selling them off to a bunch of different breeders and stuff because I just I was like yeah I'm not doing this this is this is I, I so anyway my thought though with that was if you ever needed a feeder they literally breed at two months old <laughs> they lay two eggs every like two weeks or some crazy shit like they just shotgun eggs out I've never seen anything there's no other reptile species that I can think of that produces at that. It, uh, it's an obscene. I race. guess if you're that small, you're such at the bottom of the food chain, you have to be prolific of the species dies. So it's like, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. 
My, God. I mean, the adults are pretty big. You know, they're they're yeah. they're good sized adult gecko, which was surprising that they would. I mean, they breed it two months uh, apparently on their own, like two months and like four or five inches, and those females were just laying eggs like crazy. <sighs> Shit, I'm about to so. maybe have diamond pythons. I'm gonna have to get some and get the group going, <laughs> get it ready. <laughs> you know, holy shit. Yeah. So that's another, I, I, those are all things I, I, since Sanzinia or something that's on my list to eventually get going. I, they, they're perfectly suited for outdoors. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I'm getting some, I'm getting an adult red tail, uh, Peruvian red tail group, really, really good ones in October. So nice. I'm kind of looking forward to oh, that. That's cool. I never wanted Sanzinia, and then we went over to Keith's house, and I got to play with his greens, and I'm just like, get these away from me <laughs> right now they're so before I obsess right? over them for yeah. the rest of my life. Like, yeah, yeah, the, so, the, yeah. The, the, the head is so different yeah. than any other kind like of weed, you know? Yeah, it's like having a big viper that can't kill yeah. you. That's what, yeah, that's what it is. And yeah. I'm all about I, that. Like, I love yeah, those things. Like, yeah. I have Kribo because it's a cobra that can't hurt me. Right. <laughs> like it's well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I would have I would personally have gaboons and rhino vipers if I, but my significant other will not have anything to do with that. But if it wasn't for that, I I would have had them the entire time. Right. My ex wife wasn't. I used to keep puff adders when I was a kid. Jesus. And I had a I had a lot of rattlesnakes, and um, I used to actually hunt catch rattlesnakes and trade them you know the guy there was a lot of people buying pygmy rattlesnakes at the time and i had a spot in south florida where i could get red ones so i would catch these red pygmies and then trade them for you know other stuff and um so i they're cool i like i really dig the rattlesnakes and the large uh african vipers they're the impressive ones yeah yeah i was i was just over at my dad's uh not last week and checking out his stuff and we were talking about that he used to have this eastern diamondback rattlesnake and man was that an impressive snake man man, man holy shit yeah wow so uh, yeah whoo <laughs> i that's the one. That's the one Florida snake that I have never seen in the Thank wild. Thank you. I, really? I, I yeah. I literally live. My parents' property is full of gopher tortoise burrows. It's full of. Ind- we we have huge indigos on the property. Uh, cool. Like big ones. Never seen. And I've seen dead diamondbacks on the road near the house, but never seen a live one on the property. Never seen. I've driven down the roads that are supposed to be really good uh, for diamondbacks at the right times of the year and. I can't, I can't find one either. I can't see the damn things or I just suck. I, I don't know what it is, but yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. people go out and they find them and I cannot find one. And I have been trying for off and on for, since I was 15 years old, oh, shit. I just want to see right, one. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, out, you know, like yeah. laying across the road, a big giant one. The only, I've only seen two and they were both dead in the road. Which I was really hoping for one when I went herping, but we got, we got a bunch of pygmies and a couple gopher tortoises, but I was really hoping yeah. for an Eastern. And I, to be, when we were out in Texas, I was really hoping for a Western. And uh, yeah. so, yeah. That we scored. Do you, yeah, we got do the you Western. To, I didn't get the rock. Do you get to, <laughs> do you get to hurt much? Do you hurt much? Yeah. Yeah. Me? Uh, not, not anymore. I mean, I, I, I did it for a living until I was 30 years old. Right. So, okay. Up 22 years ago. But uh, no, I mean, once in a while, usually when people come down, they'll want to go out. I was supposed to take Kaufman out when he was down, but that was in the middle of the COVID shit. Right. I was actually kind of sick that week and I was worried that I got COVID, but it wasn't. It turned out it right. wasn't. But so that kind of got screwed. I was going to take him to a bunch of places, but. 
If you guys are ever down yeah. here, let yeah, me know. Well, it, it's, you know, Love I got to see come, an indigo. We got to come down and visit. <laughs> I got to come down and visit her family and Eric's got family down there. So we just yeah. got to coordinate. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, my parents' property is in the Sand Hills and the center of the state. And there's there's about 20 to 30 gopher tortoise burrows on that property. Wow. And um, yeah. every year when I would cover my bearded dragon enclosures with with I cover them with this plastic sheets. Mm-hmm. And so when it rains on there, the rain puddles mm-hmm. and that fucking huge indigos would come out and drink the water That's that would puddle. There. Awesome. That's awesome. And one day I one day I went out in the I used to have a pile a wood pile in the back of the yard with, you know, with broken cages and I used to store plastic bins back there. And I had a bunch of big plastic tubs, black mortar tubs that were flipped over. And I went out there to get some, and when I lifted it up, there was a gravid indigo underneath. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> so and I was like, wow. <laughs> that. And and you know another thing that we have out there, which I, I the only place I've ever seen them is and I would see them a lot, is big southern pines. Yeah. Ooh. Like big ones. Wow. Yeah. That they they they're that's a weird snake, man. It it's out in the hottest part of the day. Like really? nothing else is yeah, when nothing else is out. Matter of fact, my I get a lot of when I was living there, because you know I ran the business out of my house, I get a lot of UPS shipments, and the fucking UPS guy kept running them over in front of my house oh, or in my neighbor because he would come at around one o'clock in the afternoon, and the damn things would be stretched across the road. Stop. <laughs> he, he he wouldn't. Yeah, honestly, on that road, I, you know, unless you knew snakes, you wouldn't even see yeah. them. Right. They blend. They blend right. in. But yeah, I found two dead ones in in over the course of about a year, year and a half. Uh, all killed at the same time of day, like one o'clock, one thirty in the afternoon, like a 94, 95 degree day, full sun. Wow. Just out. Yeah. I don't know, so. man. I'm, I'm, I feel like a heroin addict right now. I'm like, Eric, do you want to go looking for like timbers? Like, can we, can we, can we, can we go looking for stuff? Like yeah, it man. is, it's, it's getting bad. Like I, I really want to get back out into the bush bush. I mean, like I want to come back smelling like something ran over me. Like, you know, that's yeah. So, yeah, at some point I need to get down to Australia. I've got a lot of friends down there. Yeah. Hell yeah, I you wanna, do, man. Uh, I, whew, yeah, I know. Rob invited me, and we just I couldn't make it happen this time. I mean, but. well, we, we thought about you because like Keith was dancing around with the fr- frilly, and he's like, <laughs> yeah. he's like, we have to take pictures for Rob. <laughs> and it's like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> like, <it's... laughs> yeah, he sent me some photos. I was like, you bastard. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he's down there he's down there having a ball that, no, that was a cool trip man i i, I really the the show you guys did after was awesome i'm living vicariously through you yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but yeah it was uh, again it goes back to know. the stories you know it's like you you, you need the stories you yeah. you yeah. you have these 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 situations and and i don't know any herper i don't care what you're into you know, with, when you hear somebody else talking about their crazy herp story, we can kind of all relate, yeah. you know, and, and we're kind of like, ah, oh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I just, I, I love that. And that's, you know, the whole point of the, the herp history is to try to get those stories out there. So they're kind of there for yep. future year still like, you know, it, we're all going to be dead at some point, you know, <laughs> let's make sure it's still here. Yeah. So. Yeah. That was one of the cool things about growing up in Miami is we had an old, defunct zoo called the Crandon Park Zoo. It had closed down in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And I actually sent Kaufman there um and told him about about all that. I saw he had that. heard about it, but I see he did his yeah. show. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. Tell me about it. But when I was but when I was a kid, 
that was completely sealed off from the public. It had a had a big fence around the entire thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, my, my me and my little band of hoodlums <laughs> went down there and I was looking at this fence going, yeah, yeah okay. This is- <laughs> so, so we took the Metro bus, went back home. I got my dad's bowl cutters and came back and every few hundred feet, we cut a hole in the fence. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, the re- and the reason we did this is because we, if, if the cops came in to get us, our plan was scatter <laughs> and everybody has a different hole to escape. It's every man. It was, on this- <laughs> it was, and it gets better. It has it had a, and actually Kaufman showed it. There was some giant old wrought iron monkey cages yeah. that had cement buildings attached to it. Well, we used to sleep in those. Oh we would God. lie to each other's parents and tell each other's parents that we were spending the night at each other's house. And what we would do is we would go down there on Friday night and we would cra- we'd sleep in those fucking monkey cages, spend all day Saturday, all night catching all this shit. Dude, I caught matamatas in there. Oh wow. I caught a I caught a giant softshell turtle. I forget what it was. I think it was a Nile softshell, but not a hundred percent on which species that was. But it, but but it was laying under the dirt uh-huh. in in like in like a foot of water, and I jumped on it thinking that it was facing oh, out. Shit. Oh <laughs> shit! But it was in fact facing oh, in. Oh shit! And it was like it had a, it was massive, and when I grabbed it, it fucking bit me between the legs, and I swear to God, I thought it took. Oh, my God. God. <laughs> and I Mom. and I looked down, and I and the. And I look down and I'm holding on to this turtle. I, I have these shooting pain and there's blood gushing out of from under my shorts out into the water. And I'm like, oh, oh my, my God, <laughs> what did I just lose? And so but I wasn't going to let go of the fucking turtle either. <laughs> so so I, I come out of the water with it. My friends are looking at me. There's blood running down my leg. And I'm like, I checked. I'm like, oh, it's we're everything's good, there. Good. I'm, I'm, I'm intact. But I was missing like a like a chunk out of my thigh about that big. Oh, thank right, God! Right underneath. No turtle is worth yeah. this. <laughs> right. Yep. That same day, almost caught a giant water monitor that was in there. Oh shit! Did they Man, that like where did like were these animals just loose? Like were they just left there, or was it just? Yeah. Damn. Yeah, there was stuff. It was stuff that had been there, and by the time I came around, it was like the zoo had been closed for like fifteen years. Okay. But. So, so we're in there one day, right? Mm. And, and my buddies are like, there's a, there's a, there's a huge alligator, you know, and this is salt water because this is on an Island and all of the, the lakes that are inside the zoo, there's little pond mm-hmm. areas. They're all also, they're like brackish. And he's like, there's a huge alligator over there. And I go and I look and it's got a really long snout. And I'm like, that's not a fucking alligator. And that's not a crocodile either. I think that's a gavial, a false gavial. No shit. So, so, but it was giant. So I went back home and I called my buddy Ed Chapman. I'm like, look, man, I think I found a false Gary or, or, or maybe it's a slender snouted crocodile, but it's definitely one of the two. And he's like, okay. He's like, well, get a noose and go noose it. But this thing was huge. It was like 10 feet long, 12 feet long. And I'm like 16 years old. And I was real skinny when I was little. I was, you know, like 110 pounds soaking wet. I was, I was nothing, but I had more. I was lacking in the forethought department. (laughs) Noose it. Yes. So he, so he tells me to get a noose. So I get a rope. I get a fucking broom handle, which is the only thing I have. I make this noose and three of my buddies go down there and I'm looking around and I see this thing underneath a tree hanging. So it's trees hanging over the water and this thing is laying underneath it and it's fucking huge. And I'm like, I'm going to get it. So I go to my buddies. I'm like, okay, I'm going to noose this thing. And when I do, 
you guys got to run in and jump on the back legs. I'll grab the head and we'll pull it out of the water. And I get right over top of it. I'm like five feet above it. And this thing is like two feet across the back. It was just oh giant. God. But, you know, I was like, okay. And I went to freaking noose it. I started to lean down. I slipped off the branch and I fell right where it was sitting. It got scared and took off. When it did, the water exploded. Oh my God. And I look back, my buddies think that I'm dead. Mm. And they ran away. <laughs> so if I would have jumped on this thing, they would have never, never come in you. there to grab yeah, the okay. back legs. <laughs> Holy shit. But, but, but like, like, and, and a lot of people didn't believe me. And then like eight or 10 months later, the dam on Memorial day weekend, mm. the fucking thing walked out of the zoo and started walking down a crowded Cranid park beach. And they had to call Joe Wazalewski to come out and get it. And it was a freaking African slender snouted crocodile, Jeez. and it wound up at Miami Metro Zoo. I saw it in the paper. I'm like, that's, that's my crocodile. <laughs> I almost died for that thing. Show up at Miami Metro. Hi, I believe you have my crocodile. Wow. <laughs> like it's... wow. Oh, man. So, so much shit. I, uh, there were peacocks all over, and one of the reptile guys that I knew was like, hey, man, I'll buy some peacocks. <laughs> okay. And, Good uh, luck catching them. I'm like, I'm not turns out, it, it turns out that a peacock on a nest is not a wise thing to try to <laughs> Wow. Well, so. <laughs> you know, it's great. When we were in Australia, they had this this peacock that just, remember that peacock on that yeah, it kept farm? It the, just it kind of would have been the reflection. car. <laughs> well, I kept seeing the reflection in the car, and it's like, what? And then, like, the reflections. Oh, and then he kept kicking the car. So it's uh, like, this thing is stupid. Uh, but yep. I didn't want to get in between that thing. That thing was like, I'm like we're going to have to pay the deposit because we can't. We're going to bring the rental car back. And they'd be like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> but yeah. Peacock, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, guys. well. Sorry. We, no, we, we didn't have any. I didn't have a car, and we, I took the metro buses everywhere. <laughs> Because Miami had a good metro bus, so we would bring all this shit back in bags on the buses. You know, we'd sneak them on, and you know, bags. Of, you know, <laughs> was, moving was, around. Was that the plan for the crocodile? But, Just be like, yes, one, please. Yeah, as you drag that, it onto that, the bus. That was that was the plan. Um, <laughs> that was the plan. That's awesome. But um, so so I get so I go to this get this guy's peacock right. Where there's peacocks everywhere, but you can't catch them because they're too right. fast. And we're walking by the old reptile house and we see there's a fucking peacock inside the reptile house. It looks like it's sitting on eggs. Right. So it's this little freaking like six foot, like glass enclosure. Mm -hmm. So I go to my buddy. I'm like, okay, I'm going to crawl inside this thing and I'll grab it. Once I have it subdued, you know, you open the door and let me out. Yeah. yeah well, it turns out that that's not a smart idea. <laughs> and I got into this thing and I'm like, my legs are up, you know, I'm kind of like crunched up and I'm right next to this peacock and I'm getting ready to get it. And it stands up. It looks at me for a second and then it spread its wings and started beating the shit out of me. It bit me in the face. Oh my God. <laughs> I, had, I had like a big, huge bite on my face oh. and it was trying to bite, you know, it was just, it, it fucked me up. So I finally, I finally get a hold of it and I, I turn it away cause I'm tired of getting bit in the face and then, you know, in the chest right. And then it, it shit all over me. I mean, covered me and looked like bean curds. It was just <laughs> yeah, like the great. whole thing. And it smelled really bad. And I had to get back on the bus. Oh. So I get this bird. We put this bird in a huge burlap sack. And then we try getting on the Metro bus like this. And so we get on. I'm carrying it. And we also had a bunch of bags full of iguanas and some other shit. And there's like four of us. 
So I just I start walking through. The bus is crowded. And I hear these ladies behind me. Man, those guys stink. <laughs> and she was talking about me because I'm covered. You know, I thought I got it, most of it off, but apparently mm-hmm. I didn't. We're in the back. And then the peacock starts chirping. <laughs> and they're loud. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so my buddy Caesar, he's holding the bird, and people are looking around, and then he starts trying to make the same sound. <laughs> so he's he's making this screaming sound. People are looking at him like he's freaking crazy. We managed to not get thrown off of that bus and we got that bird home. No, and that, that bird eventually that bird, that bird eventually made it to its destination. And uh, that was the case of removing a big invasive species and putting it somewhere else that somebody else got to enjoy and turned it into an invasive species oh all over God. another spot. Wow. But yeah, it was. Uh, I can't imagine being yeah, on that... a bus and hearing a peacock and being, <laughs> trying to make the sound. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh. what one. One time we were sitting in the back, we had a bunch of big iguanas and a six foot iguana ripped out of the bag and we didn't know it. And he was trying to run across the bus floor, but <laughs> uh, he couldn't get anywhere. Yeah. So he was yeah. slipping. <laughs> and, and we're trying to get it without catching the bus driver's attention or the people that are sitting up front. It was just, oh, man. It was just oh my shit. God, no. That's great. Yeah, eventually I eventually I was like, Yeah, I need to get a car. <laughs> <laughs> this this shit needs to stop. Yeah. <laughs> we can't we can't keep this crazy shit oh up. Oh my but. gosh. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh. I, I would have paid to see you try to get that croc on the bus. Like paid money. <laughs> like, go ahead, no, try. <laughs> like I want to see them try. So yeah. You know, there was there was we we were out one night, way out in the Everglades, mm. hunting water snakes. I had a pretty big order, and it was like four of us. And we're waiting in this waist deep, pitch black at night, black water. And, you know, the water snakes are usually mm-hmm. hanging over the hanging over the water. So we're pick, picking them up. And my buddy crossed me and go, hey, I caught this thing. And I look over and he's holding a baby alligator. And it's croaking. Oh, shit. oh God, I, put it back. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, dude, where'd you get that? And he's like, oh, it's sitting right here. <laughs> and then we then we realize that there's something very large swimming oh, in the water underneath God. us. And we can't see it. Everybody froze. I was like, okay, we're going to count to f- three, and then everybody's just going to run out of the water. And we did, and and that thing, it was one of those times where you know you just didn't know. I I, I thought we were going to, I thought one of us was was fucked. Wow. I'm going to put that, that alligator down. <laughs> I don't know. It was not, to, this- not to mention. Alligators were protected at the time too, and I'm thinking, oh man, and and, and there's lots of FWC out there. I was like, they're going to drive up. Right. We're hold- he's holding a baby alligator. Right as he does, the big one that's under the water is going to eat one of us. And it's just, <laughs> it, it's yeah, one it's- of those like that tree over there is going to turn around and be like, hold it. It's giving some dude in a costume, <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> you know, oh, that's, that's the- always the fear. But <laughs> it's like, you know. It- Finding a baby alligator, it's like I don't know. I found in this giant mulch pile with all these other right, ones. That's like, for yeah, Put yeah. It and I'm back. sure that's what I'm sure there was a nest right there. Isn't that in Jurassic yeah. Park where it's like, uh, arrow, so they arrow, stole the babies? Arrow, yeah, it's like no, arrow, no, 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 no. Oh yeah, the eggs, right? They stole yeah. the eggs and the birds uh, chasing them. Yeah. God, pterodactyl or whatever. It, well, uh, that's where I thought shit you do when you're a kid. That's where I thought that's where I thought the peacock story was going is like get them off the eggs and take the eggs, incubate the eggs. You got plenty of peacocks, you don't have to nearly no. die. No, no, no. We're gonna get the big one. <laughs> it's like okay. No. Holy shit. Yeah, for fi- 
for fifty bucks, I got bit in the face and shit on. It was worth yeah, it. Yeah. Totally worth it. Fifty whole dollars. That, that was that was the last peacock he ever got. I was like, dude, I'm not. Yeah, I, don't I get it yourself. You're, yeah, you're on your own. Wow. God. That, that, that's the last time. That's insane. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking great. Oh, <sighs> perfect. Um, I don't know. Uh. What else do you, you got? Any other uh, questions you want to hit on, Owen, or anything you wanted to? Uh... Uh, I mean, like you, you mentioned a couple stuff with like what you got going on with the lace and the Spencers. Is there anything else that we're going to be adding? I know you said Sanzinia, but is there anything that you're going to be adding in the immediate? Um, I mean, I'm I'm looking at that piebald blood python. Mm. Mm. So. I think that's a good project. Did you see anything? I, with, I know those were brought in in an abundance at one point too, as far as imports. Oh, no, I, I wasn't even aware that thing existed until recently. No, no, I mean like blood pythons in general. Not oh yeah, yeah, no. I actually, I blood pythons are one of the reasons I know about Keith is that I used to follow his work. He's one of those guys yeah. that I used to see, and I was a big fan of because I was like, man, that's because blood pythons. For me, as far as snakes, my my the three things that well, actually it's probably four, five. Things. I don't know, it's a bunch, <laughs> but, but the things that really interest me are the true red tail boas. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like those. I really like blood pythons and and short tails, and um, and obviously Boland's python has been. I actually almost we had considered buying some Boland's pythons uh, when we, at the same time we got the lace and I was like, you know what, let me get over all this other shit first and get it working. And then we'll go back and we'll look because I want to try a high, an idea. I saw Mm -hmm. Quetzal talking about his success with him down in Costa Rica. And I was like, you know, I could, I could maybe copy that here sort of and do a similar thing. I have a cold room that we keep the, the uh, crested geckos Mm -hmm. in and I could make, I could, evict them if i really wanted to make that room cold i really don't give a shit fucking crest of geckos but um i was thinking i could cut a hole in that building and run an outdoor enclosure where they could have the access to the florida tropics if they wanted it but also have the cold right i mean i could really make that room cold because it's pretty small and i have a pretty big ac unit in there right i was considering that it's something i want to mess around with looking at listening to ari on your um podcast a couple times and i i have his books and i've read them both and um it seems to me like that snake is just i think the only reason we're just not successful is look kind of like what keith said they're just so different than everything else that everybody keeps that it's kind of hard to disconnect your brain from that Mm -hmm. so i think it's more of a i i really think it's just going to be a matter of getting them to the to the right set of parameters that they click for your specific environment. I don't think there's going to be like a one size fits all for them. I think they're probably just going to be difficult um, in general. Right. But and you're going to need the you know, one I'm, thing or whatever it is. Yeah. I think it's a, a combination of working with them long enough. And then, and then I think, I think Keith's probably going to do it at some point. Oh I'm yeah. Kind of surprised yeah. he hasn't figured it out. Yeah. But I was thinking for my situation, what I would try to do is essentially, I mean, it's to me, it sounds like they live in a cold rain chamber. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the stuff he's talking about, that's like amphibian level, you know, cold, mm-hmm. wet shit. You know, I mean, it, that's so foreign to Python. Yeah. So I think that might be part of, I think that that may be part of it. I think maybe it needs to be looked like that, looked at in that 
through that prism. People need maybe, maybe take a look at it and say, okay, well, you know, it sounds terrifying, but what I was thinking about doing was giving them essentially keeping them outside all winter, even when it's cold as fuck mm-hmm. here and, 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 and running a rain chamber while that's happening, but have give them the ability to get, have a dry place right. yeah. at all times. Cause I think that's, that's one. And I think, I don't think they're going to get sick. I mm-hmm. hearing what he's talking about. He's like, it's 45 degrees and it's pouring down rain and he's freezing his ass off on the top of this mountain looking for the Bolins, but they're up tucked up underneath stuff dry. But I mean, yeah. they, they still come out in that. I mean, that's the environment they live in. So cold, hot, super high humidity. Um, right. It may, it, it may just be that it may be a hydration thing with that. Yeah. It, and, and it's got, and they're, they're from such a, you know, harsh environment. That's why they're such a dark color. Cause when the sun does peak yeah. out, they got the, soak it in as quick as possible and then get back to where it's dry and stuff like that. So yep. it's, I, I would probably say that, but like you said, there's mental roadblocks. Like when you're talking about it, yep. even then I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> like, it's like that's, that's, that's a terrible idea. Like, wait, it's cold. And then you're going to get it wet. That what? Like, yeah. So, yep. and I can see those mental hookups or blocks and things like that, but. Well, I, I think that I think the mo- the caveat and mm. what what I was talking about doing it was is that basically you you have to give them the ability to choose what they yeah. want. So so it's basically how I would keep lizards outside, mm-hmm. you know. Like, so so you give them an extreme area. Like I give the monitors here an extreme area. They have a heated area that is just stupid. It would absolutely kill anything that that any other species, but the monitors use it. To, to get their temperatures up because they you guys have been to australia you know those things basket some stupid like i couldn't yeah. get ackies to breathe out here uh, outdoors until i started offering them this basically i took these clear plastic panels and put over a portion of the enclosure that amplify the heat underneath it now they can get out of it if they want mm-hmm. to right but i'm finding that more often than not they're choosing to be under this and now they're breeding very well right so but i mean it's just you know, if the bearded dragons were under there, they'd be gaping and going, "What the fuck? You're you killing us!" Right. right? They need it. They don't need <clears throat> it all the time. It's where I think people fuck up is when they sit right. there and they're like, "Oh, they need a right. they need a hot spot of like close to ninety. I'll just make their entire enclosure ninety. Well, n- right. two, no, no, no. yeah, offer I, it, but in a small small area. Am I wrong to think like that? You know, to your point, right? They're they're going in these. The, the, you know, if if an aki is in the wild, it's coming out. It's basking on that rock. It may be two hundred and degrees or something like that, something yep. crazy. But it's not staying there for more than five minutes or ten minutes. Nope. You know, it, it's doing what it has to do, and then it's going back to where it's it has gone. to go yeah. to. So, like, what kind of processes are happening in their body when that happens? You know what I mean? Like. Uh, I don't know. I just yep. try to think like when you go out into like when I go out into the sun, it's almost like you you feel better. You feel you know. I don't know. You you probably get sun all the time, but us you know. <laughs> <laughs> us Looking here, at me, you will realize I don't get a lot of sun. Face, yeah, you know. Like <laughs> 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 that. Um. Yeah. No, you're absolutely correct. That and that is that's actually a problem that I see with modern herpetoculture. So let's just take the UV lighting, right. for mm-hmm. example. Like I've collected lots of lizards in the wild, just like you alluded to. They're not sitting out in the sunlight for all right. day. Hmm. So in modern, most enclosures, what people do is they put a UV light on top 
And in a lot of cases, they don't even give them any ability to get out of that UV. They don't give hiding areas and stuff like that. So they're literally, for 10 to 12 hours a day, they're blasting these animals with forced UV. Right. Now, that doesn't happen in the wild. Right. They they do not. They're just not sitting out in that. They're out for uh, usually an, about an hour in the morning. That's the judging by what I see in the you know and the stuff in my yard. You know all the shit that's outside. That's kind of the thing I gauge by. If I see that they're they're spending more than about an hour in the morning and about an hour in the evening, you know, directly basking, then I know that they're just not getting hot right. enough. So then I then I either increase it or if I see that they're they're spending too much time in the shade, then I increase the amount of shade and cool them down. Right. So I kind of react that way, but indoors, I, a lot of people, uh, and, and, and it kind of coincides with the technology jump mm. that our UV lights have gotten better. So they're stronger. Right. So, so we're starting to see in some cases, particularly with morph bearded dragons that lack some of the natural protection against, um, UV because, you know, they're missing a pigment or whatever. Um, we're starting to see some issues that seem to be caused by too much ultraviolet because the lights are getting better. Right. And then especially with bearded dragons, people tend to not give them a hiding area. So these animals literally are sitting and being blasted. So I, I think that entire mindset um, is the overall problem in herpetoculture in general is that it needs to be about giving as many options as you can feet you can you can pull off with it and there's lots of ways even in a small enclosure to give lots of options sure um the reason i mean we we keep these big monitors in eight by eight by eights but because we use all this shelving that go all the way up to the very top they have different like if the sun is at certain positions they can always get they always have a sun bat you know a place to bass they always have places for shade they can go underground now that's easy outdoors obviously right. indoors is much bigger problem but you can do that you can scale that down to any size you need to do it and pull off a similar thing so it's just about utilizing the space that you have and then thinking about the needs of the animal like would you want to be sitting out underneath a uv light for 12 hours without the ability to get out from underneath Hell it. No. Would that have a psychological <laughs> effect mm-hmm. on you? Yeah, not too well. Yeah. I would look like jerky. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> you know? right. <clears throat> because it just that's just our the way we think. We think, oh, if a little bit is good, a lot is better. But that's, that's so not true. Right? It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. A yeah. little bit of pizza is good, but a lot of pizza is right. <laughs> not, not I was good. actually yeah. I was thinking yeah. that, yeah. but I did I, I everything I in moderation. <laughs> like, yeah, I got it. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, almost like I'm the poster child. <laughs> I think mm. I think Keith had uh, he had he had he, I know he at least talked about it. Right. And he was talking about how he thought in Papua New Guinea, it's a lot of cloud cover. So these clouds would be rolling through. So it's not like they have straight UV, but they would get these periods to where um, I'm sure this is probably from him talking with Ari. But you get these periods of like, you know, the sun shining through and then it disappears and then it shines through and then it disappears. Yeah. So he was like turning that UV off and on and off and on and off and on throughout the day. I think that's probably more natural than, you know, to to what you're saying is like how a lot of people keep, you know, just put it on. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I I honestly, with regards to the UV, there's a lot of debate over that, and I kind of fall somewhere in the middle. I really am not per- personally sure how much yeah. benefit or lack of it actually has. It's 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 a hard thing to quantify, sure. 
and there's a there's a lot of anecdotal evidence going both directions. You know, they need it, they don't need it. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot. Could be a lot of other factors at play. So I think if you can offer it, I think it's could be beneficial. And if it's not beneficial, it's not a big deal. But if you're offering it and you're not giving them the ability to get out of it, now you're kind of going in the other right. direction. You're, you're so. hindering, yeah. So, so that's, that's, I know I'm not talking about Keith. Yeah. I'm yeah. Yeah. About yeah. The, mm-hmm. Cause I know he, 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 I'm sure he's over there, you know, doing his little mad scientist thing, trying to figure this whole shit out. And he's, he's probably got all kind of crazy stuff there's, going on. There's that one picture of him laying on his snake room, looking at the Bowens. And I'm like, <laughs> I imagine, I imagine he does that a lot where he's like, what are you thinking? Yes. Like it's yeah. So yeah, it's clear the Bowens for him are like the lace monitors for me. That's like the. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's yeah. But yeah, but like I said, I was big fan of the blood pythons and short tails, and I I used to always watch the stuff that he was doing. And whenever I'd see him at a show, I'd go and check his shit out. And he was always one of the first places I would go. He's he's a good guy. He's got a lot. He's still kicking ass. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, 100%. so that that would be a cool project. The uh, pied blood that'd be something cool to see, especially with all the different morphs and things like that that they have to kind of see how that would interact and work with that i wonder what it is about the pie gene that sort of like kick starts uh everybody likes it you know what i mean why (laughs) it seems to be that one gene that everybody can sort of like get together on and be like okay that's cool (laughs) you know and and you know yeah yeah i mean it's a safe bet it's it's as far i mean i'm looking at it a little bit from two different perspectives one because i do this for a living and and i'm also you know I'm 52 now, so I don't know how much more I can, you know, maybe I got 10 good years of being able to slog around out there in the heat. And right. So I'm looking for things that I can do indoors. You know, <laughs> yeah. That are less, that are less labor intensive and less food intensive and, 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 you know, that I can keep because I'm never going to fucking retire. They'll, they'll, they'll roll me in the ground and I'll still be doing this shit. Hmm. But, um, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, I'm looking at, but I'm looking at projects like that, that I think have legs long-term that are, and I don't like multi, um, it's not that I, okay. So let me, I'm not, this is not, this is not meant to be anti-morph mm-hmm. because I, obviously I'm invested in lots of morphs. I have all kinds sure. of, but for me, once it gets beyond like two or three mutations, then I, I tend to lose interest in it because if, if, if I can't easily identify what it is that is a real turnoff. I, mm. I don't like all, like I bought a bunch of fat tail geckos a couple years ago and they were het for all this shit. And then when they would have babies, even the guy I bought them from, I don't know. Couldn't tell me <laughs> yeah. He was like, he's like, I don't know. And I'm like, why the fuck am I supposed, I can't sell these things if I can't yeah. tell people what they are. So I, I ended up, I scrapped the whole thing and, and uh, so I just uh, that that so I like things that are kind of like in the early stages where I have control sure. over it and and I like I like just single or double gene combos of things. Right. Yeah, um, I'm finding that that out that stuff out more and more. Um, like I was looking for Argentine bows, and they're like, "Do you want all this?" I'm like, "No, I just want them. Like I don't want anything." Right. So and it's just because when I breed it, I want to be like. Argentine, like it just, that's what it is. Yeah, make it easy. Yeah, so. yeah. We have a guy down here, Ancient Reproductions, mm. uh, Bob. I can't ever say his last name. I think it's like 
I'm not even going to. Okay. But anyway, <laughs> but but anyway, he produces some really nice. I mean, I see him pop up on Facebook, a smoking pink ones. He, and, Keith's got a nice pair that I'm like, breed them. <laughs> like it just, and it's worse. Yeah, they're easy. Yeah. They're easy too. I, I, yeah, I, I love Argentine boas. That's one of my favorite boas. Yeah. Nice and big, really impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause um, I need, I need more large snakes, like a hole in the head, but you know whatever i think you're having you're gonna have more snakes than me pretty soon there big guy Dude, i already do i already do <laughs> like we haven't sat down and, and crunched the numbers but i was sitting there today because i'm starting to get 2022 in order and i'm like fuck <laughs> like there's yeah damn it like yeah so nope that's uh, all right it's all good yeah no <laughs> <laughs> no it is not you never have enough man. yeah yeah uh, as long as it's not 250 tails. Yeah, we, we haven't. I have not crossed that bridge yet. So, yeah, yeah. yeah nobody wants to cross that bridge. No one should. <laughs> <It's a terrible laughs> <bridge. laughs> I'm having. I'm, I have PTSD over that shit. I, fucking never again. You're gonna, you're gonna try to go to sleep tonight, and you're like, "Hey, goose." Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Just, just, oh, <laughs> I'd I'd rather get bit in the nuts by uh, soft shelter. Let's not say things we don't mean. (laughs) (laughs) Tell you you what, man. I I vividly remember the shooting pain and the terror that I was that I was now I was now possibly a little bit less of me. Yeah, dear God. It was like never forget it. I never did that again. No, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would always, I would always make, make sure, yeah. Yeah, it t- turns out when they're buried in the sand like that, you can just see the outline of the shell. You can't really tell which. Oh, man. Yeah, it was, it was one of those. You only make yeah, the Matamata was the Matamata was easy. He was just walking around the bottom. Big ass Matamata. I, I, I couldn't believe it when I fished That's that insane. thing out of there. That it was I was a like, I, yeah, I, I went back. I thought for sure I was going to find more, but I never found more than that one. He was just walking along the bottom. That's nuts. Doing its thing. Four feet under. Wow. Yeah. I yeah, was, was, I never realized. I, I always saw Matamatas as like, you know, normal, like, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, cute. No. And then one time, in, one time at Tinley, there was a giant mother. And I'm like, yeah. holy shit. Like, I never knew they got that big. And then I'm saying yeah. this out loud in front of a reptile show and i'm like i mean like yeah so it was but it was yeah they're cool animals yeah they're they're badass turtles yeah. man. i i really like them i actually consider but they're i, I don't think it, i mean i think maybe one person's bred them in captivity they're extremely different really? you know, who are we talking to the bread monomatas i don't, I don't blurs together at this point who knows? there's like well, how long have we been doing the show? Twenty years? Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. So, <laughs> a long time. But, <laughs> yep, yep. But nah, it, yep. them and fly river turtles. It would be something cool to set up in like a big, yeah, a big thing. If I had millions of dollars to blow on whatever I wanted, so yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe one day, Owen. Maybe one day. You win the lottery and not tell me. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? So, yeah. hey man, all all takes us to. Go into your egg box one day and your your incubator and find something brand new. I mean, that's what the fucking albino blue tegu. That's how that uh, happened. I, all right. And the, the funny thing about that is, man, I used to fuck with my ex wife all the time. Every time tegus would hatch, I'd be like, "There's albinos." <laughs> She'd be like, "Yeah, whatever." And then when they hatched, and there was, I couldn't believe it. I opened the freaking incubator. I see a pink eye looking at me, and I'm like, 
I'm like, there's albinos. And she was like, fuck <laughs> you. Shut up. No. You know, and, I, and I go out and I go into the kitchen and I'm shaking. I'm like, no, no, there's albino tegus in this box. And she's like, there's no way. And I popped it open and there was three of them in there. And she, we, we were just, we we're like, holy wow. shit. I can't believe That's it. That's wild. What are the chances? And that happened the first time I bred the the babies of the blue tegus back together. So that one of the original, there, there was five five of them that were brought in. Um, and so one of at least one of the original ones was a hat straight up. Wow. And then when I and then I was holding back for for what I was calling platinum, which were kind of reduced pattern mm-hmm. ones. And when I bred those together, to, they were more blue than the other ones, and it's. First time, bred them together, boom, out comes albinos. And then like a week later, somebody else that had bought babies from me uh, two years before, he hatched one. And um, so it was it was, it was, was yeah. weird, man. It was just a totally random luck yeah, cause lottery. One would be random genetic, you know, lottery. Yeah. But to get like four, their parents had to be carriers. So... Oh yeah, yeah, no, no. Subsequently, after that, I produced a shit ton of them Jesus. that same year. I mean, they, most of the most of them turned out to be. So I was making fifty percent hets for for a couple of years and didn't know it, and just <laughs> selling them all over the place. <laughs> then over time, people would people would finally start breeding them, and they'd be like, "Oh, I got an albino, a couple albinos." And I'm like, "Yeah, well, that's because they're all all blue." You think it's one of those things you think about after the fact, like. Shit, I've been sending I've been sending fifty percent. Right. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. uh, son of a bitch! <laughs> like all those right. that were sent. Oh God. Yeah, yeah it was good stuff. Well, yeah. good stuff, Ron. I'm not sure if we asked you these questions the first time round because um, I don't know if Rob did or not, but uh, we're going to ask you the closing questions that we ask everybody who comes yeah. on the show. So. The first one would be if you could keep any reptile without any kind of hindrance of law, money, or cage space, what would it be and why? You're poking at a Komodo dragon. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Straight up, just have a giant lizard in the backyard. Yeah, I would. I honestly, I'd have two hundred fifty. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's wait. Wait, two hundred fifty tigers is bad. Two hundred fifty komodo, like you, yeah. And then and then you then you would see in the newspaper that someone's rustling cattle in Central Florida. Yeah. <laughs> Only way you could fucking yeah. feed them. Deer population dramatically drops. <laughs> but, <laughs> Just, like, <laughs> yeah, then the raccoons would disappear. Then they would be gone. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> But honey, it's raccoon, nah. uh, you know, uh, the deterrent. That's what we're doing Listen, here. They <laughs> busted the yeah. screens. Now they must die. Yes. Like it is. Yep. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So Komodo's yep. good. Um, now, if you could go herping anywhere in the world, where would you want to go and what would you be hoping to find? Uh, that's going to be Australia. And that's, uh, you know, to see all the various varanids as, as many as much as I could cram in in a week. <laughs> you know, py- pythons, geckos. I mean, all, pretty much everything that lives on that giant continent, island continent, has is it's, the skinks. I mean, I there's so much cool shit yeah, here. Yeah. And I, I and I personally, I mean, I gotta believe that there's a lot of undiscovered stuff out there because most of that mm. is is not. Nobody lives there. Nobody's. You know, my butt, my, I don't know if you know Ewan Edwards, but he's an old friend of mine and he sends me, you know, videos and shit from out there. And it's just crazy stuff, yeah. man. Australia is just <clears throat> so awesome. Yeah. yeah. You won't get an argument from me. I do. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I, I would like to go see a perenny out, out there. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. Walking around that would be kick ass. I, I, I think you're going to, you're going to see perennies, uh, 
there are legal perennies in the United States being bred now. Oh, so shit. You're going to see that. <sighs> That's you may, bad. You know, you never know what. Uh, That's bad. What, 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 what I may come up with in a while. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, no, no. Then we will be moving to Florida, Owen. And, yeah, I'm going to have to because <laughs> yeah. I'm like, because I've always said, like, oh, man, I would go for perennies. But, like, if those pop up, yeah. I'm going to have to rip up my entire life and I'll break it to her somehow. <laughs> but, yeah, it's like. But we have to move to Florida, honey. That's like having lizards. a real live dinosaur, man. That, I mean, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, that doesn't get much. They're just than so that. pretty too with the spots. Yeah, no, I love them. Love yeah, them. that's bad. Yeah, some there. There was some in the zoo system, and they made it into into uh, private hands. Can, so can the zoo system pick up some Owen Pelly pythons and and help a brother out? I mean, like, can <laughs> I'm I'm honestly can, surprised that that one hasn't. Come I mean, on, that's been a thing. God, I used to. I used to fucking drool over that one too when i saw you guys found that one i was like holy shit that is freaking badass that was i think i was talking to rob and he was telling me hey, we found one <laughs> somebody yeah. i think i think you were in the wow. small list of people we let know before we left australia i was like gotta be shit yeah. but yeah it, when i saw those pictures i was like god damn I, that's crazy I, I i did not want them until we researched them till we found it until gavin bedford put one in my hand and i'm like no, you can't have this back. I want, this this needs to come with me. And yeah, no, I didn't feel like going to prison for smuggling. But yeah, yeah, there right. was there was yeah, thoughts in my head. No. <laughs> so was, there was thoughts in uh, me and Rob's head too. We can put this in Owen's bag. He'll never know. And, and, and he'll go. And he, we'll be like, I don't know. But hey, since we're in the U.S., we can take it. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Owen goes to prison. Yeah, you're young. Get Owen. You can bounce back. Take Owen. <laughs> Make Owen wear one of those fake pregnancy <laughs> things, and <laughs> what the? I don't feel like give him a wig to you, yeah, but keep the beard, yeah, just yeah. <laughs> How what dare the? you? I don't have to explain shit to you, and then walk by. I work at a circus. Yeah. <laughs> the bearded That's lady. It. That's discrimination. discrimination. Um, I will sue everyone. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, <laughs> I somehow that'd be, that'd just wave me through. <laughs> God, yeah, that'd be good. That'd be good shit. Yep. Yeah, you guys, you guys hit it out of the park on that. That was pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, let's. We should do it again. <laughs> well, we, we know where to go. Again. Yeah, we yeah. know where to go. Um, so. But uh, Ron, do you have any kind of Facebook website, anything you want to toss out there for somebody to get in touch with you, um, or do you just want to have it like remain a mystery and? You'll talk to people if you wish. Um, is there a? It's it sort of works that way, but Carrier Pigeon Network. But, I don't know. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I have a Facebook page. It's under Ron St. Pierre, and um, they you can follow me there. You can also the business page that we work out of is Fairy Tale Dragons, which is also on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, it's Fairy Tale with a T A I L. Um, okay. So that's 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 Heather's. Uh, you know, business and she does all the business. I have nothing. I, I don't know what the fuck goes on. Just, <laughs> I just want to play with lizards. So I, I don't. How do I do this? With my business. Tell me your secrets. Tell Ron, us please. this like right now. <laughs> Forget everything else. We just no, talked about this. Is you know why? Important. Because she, because she knows that if she wants it done right. Leave that in my hands. <laughs> She left that in my hands. It'd be a disaster. That's... I'm just like, here, take this fucking thing. Pay me whenever. And, yeah. I just, I just don't want to, I hate, yeah. I just, I'm with you. I just, I just yeah. can't. Oh, dude. I, 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 most of the time I'm too, can't do it. Busy thinking about some dumb shit, how to fucking get 
lizards to inhale water. I don't have time to negotiate prices. Whatever. I I hate the selling part of it. I mean, I like I like when we get paid. I'm not. Yeah, gonna, yeah, yeah. You know, That's that's yeah. cool. But the whole selling thing and how you know, I just customer service is not my forte. <laughs> more, you know? more and more, there are I'm people like, that are like outsourcing that shit. I'm like, God damn it! Why don't I just do it? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I mean, for the majority of my career, almost everything has been wholesaled or goes. To, the best shit gets goes to friends, people that I know personally. They're like, "Hey, I want some of that." Mm-hmm. And when it's born, I just call them up, and say, "Hey, I got it." And so all the really good stuff just gets picked up by you know people that I know. Like, right. you know, like if you guys called me up and said, "Hey, I want you know this thing," as soon as I got it, I drop you a message and you'd get it right. before somebody that I don't know. So it never makes it to. They never most of the. Really good shit never makes it to uh, any sort. I'm of, thinking that more and more. That's like, how I do. You know, it. yeah. I yeah. like literally. Yeah. I got a friend coming this weekend, and he's going to pick up like four carpets. And I'm like, you know, if I sat down and priced this out, you owe me two grand. But uh, eh, get these things out of here. <laughs> like, I need space. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I I have a bunch of old wholesale accounts that are really reliable, and they they get you know the I'm, I'm, they pay me well for it. Nice. Do you see like Do you see like a, a you know, uh, do you think wholesaling is definitely a better way to go if you're even just semi plugged in like how I am with like a hobbyist? Because I would almost prefer that. And I had some wholesales that I did last year and I got rid of like all my corn snake babies like immediately. And I didn't have to deal with really getting them rolling and stuff like that. And and, and I'm kind of leaning more towards more wholesaling than individual sales. Well, this is actually how Heather and I are starting to look at mm. it more and more. And it's kind of the way that I did it was you wholesale the bulk of it. Mm. The best stuff goes to friends or you show up to two big, two or three big shows a year and then you do your retailing there. So, okay, you know, then it kind of gives you like the, it, the problem comes with all the fraud and all the shit with shipping and all that stuff. Yeah. And, and you know, and now I don't know if you saw the assault that PayPal apparently has launched on the animal industry. But Wonderful. Okay. I did not. Pay, <laughs> PayPal is shutting down accounts for animal sales. Crap. There's been a whole bunch of shit popping up. I lately, did get so. an email from them today. <laughs> oh, shit. Double check that later. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah so it's, I, I, you know, the big tech assault on us. Mm-hmm. We had it with Facebook a couple of years ago, two years ago, I guess now three years. And now it looks like PayPal's doing it. So, I mean, you know, it's not the end of the world. The, I mean, I mean, every time they do something like this, you know, I see people freak out, but roll on to the next one for you. The illicit drug industry has done just fine <laughs> without any, any sort of support. So when you, when you look at that, you know, we, we have legal businesses. We'll find a way around it because never stopped cocaine traffickers and everybody else from getting their product to market and getting paid for it. So when I look at that, this stuff with these minor roadblocks that we, you know, they're, they're, they're easy to get around. We got around the Facebook thing. That's why morph market is the success that it is now. Right. Um, so, you know, we'll just, we'll just, you know, go back to credit cards and, checks and cash and crypto probably yeah, yeah right <laughs> at some point what you're saying so. is um we need to what you're saying is that we should smuggle cocaine in the snakes and then <laughs> that, that's been done oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's been done god i remember that I... <laughs> some things i don't want to yeah. talk about yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no no i was never involved yeah. in any of that but I, I know people that were, and I was like, "You idiots!" Right. But yeah. um, 
but now they, they, they yeah there was there was just the reptile industry has a strange and checkered past. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like NASCAR, you know, NASCAR was <laughs> the rum runners. Run runners. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Was rum runners. Yeah. The reptile industry was kind of sort of started by drug right. dealers. <laughs> and then, uh, I mean, there, you know, there's like, the, there was the, there was the legit ones. There's Crutchfield and all those guys, but there was also a lot of cocaine smugglers <laughs> that real, that used to use reptiles to hide their drugs because nobody would open the boxes because uh, it was full of snakes so they would just yeah it was yeah kind oh. of give them a the for effort i guess right yeah i mean yeah, well, i don't know creativity yeah <laughs> yeah just, yeah that eventually became a legit right, thing yeah, just yeah. like fucking just like NASCAR. NASCAR. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. awesome oh, well, well this has been awesome uh, yeah dude. i very, very awesome i'm uh i'm glad you uh came and hang out with us and uh yeah man very cool. Yeah, it was fun, yeah. guys. Love it. We'll we'll have to catch you next time. Either one of us or both of us are down in Florida. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm gonna try to make Daytona this year. I don't know about um, my habit over here. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Try. Yeah, for sure. So. Actually, I I live really close to Daytona. Oh so shit! It's even more incentive. Over? <laughs> I I don't think that Heather and I are gonna go to Daytona this year. But if you guys want to come out, just let me know. Sweet. And- cool. Awesome. Eric, we have to go. Yeah. <laughs> like, just make it happen, buddy. Yeah. So yeah. Right on. All right, man. If, if, right. Is there anything else you want to toss out there, uh, Ron, or anything like that, or just uh, you're good? <laughs> nah, I'm good. Right, cool. I'm, <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go and do a bunch of shameless promotion. I love it. If people want to see what I got, then go to my page. If not, I don't give a fuck. Whatever. <laughs> love it. <laughs> if not, go to hell. Right. <laughs> you know what? Whatever. Uh, I, guess, uh, God. I just, I just don't fucking care. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. It's perfect. Shit. I love it. That's a great way to end it. <laughs> we just have that recorded on the end of every show. Right. And it's been NPR. I don't fucking care. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you know, I'm a good editor now. I when I, I know, could probably please, make that God. happen. Okay. All right, you got permission. Do whatever done, you want. Done. Now it's good. Right. It's Beautiful. You can. Yeah. Chop it up, do make whatever. That uh, a, make that a button. <laughs> yeah, you know what Ron thinks. He doesn't fucking care. Ron <laughs> like, says. Yeah. Heather told Heather told me that I was the most feral person she's ever known, <laughs> and 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 had gave the the least amount of fucks. <laughs> so if I've achieved that sort of level, I'm you're I'm golden, good. man. That's, you're I'm golden. That's yeah, a fantastic compliment. You're the most feral person I've ever known. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's yeah. great oh, all right that's great eric you should do the thing now <laughs> so we can end this okay all right well um yeah i i can relate i i would like to be a no give a fuck type of guy <laughs> i'm almost there you know i'm only 47 slowly but, getting uh, there, you know, yeah, slowly. i think i got a couple more years and um, what what does it say about me that I'm already kind of there and I'm oh, only you're 35? Going. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're no, 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 you're good. Yeah. Yeah, I was there when I was like 20 oh, and good. it just okay. keeps getting worse and worse. It just worse. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it goes downhill. All right, good. Good. <laughs> but uh, for us, uh, mariepethonradio.net is our uh, is our website. Uh, you can find everything you need to know about there. I'm going to throw out the plug again for Reptile Fight Club. And the Australian Herpticulture podcast, check those two, uh, two, one, two out. And also the Field Herping podcast, all which are on Apple uh, as of now. Well, actually, they're on all the podcast uh, apps. Uh, probably by the time you hear this, 
So will the Reptile Fight Club be up there? But uh, yeah, check it out. That that's a, that's I think people will like that a lot. Something different. That's what we're trying to do. Something different than the old. Uh, just you know. So how do you breed a blah blah blah? You know that kind of thing. So uh, <laughs> try to get the same information in a different way. So uh, yeah, you can check that out if you want to get in contact with us. You got a question, a comment? Uh, uh, reach out at info at morelipythonradio.com. You can follow us on Facebook. And Instagram at Murray Python Radio and NPR Network, I should say. Um, and uh, you can subscribe to us on YouTube uh, on the NPR Network. Um, everything you need to know about us is right there. You should already kind of know at this point. Yeah. Uh, you can also go over and join, be a member of the Patreon. If you join at the $10, which is the inland level, oh you can join us for our monthly live streams where it's me lucas riley and eric and we discuss whatever it is you want us to discuss now we just um, bitch yeah yeah pretty much it is just us screaming at things and and eventually it does get to you know you know bigfoot and i have a small crisis so it's fine yes so uh you can also go and check out the teespring store that has all the npr carpet fest rogue reptiles eb morelia merch and we're trying to get some of the other show merch up there too we'd love to get all the shows up there represented so we're working on that for you guys as well we're also working at new tiers for the patreon too they say um, we, but it seems like it's only I, me. just you. I say you. I, I say we because it makes me it sound we. better. It is just you. I don't, I don't, I don't really. I mean, yeah. I I fully admitted this when the show when you left that this is when you're gone. I don't know what to do. So I got to anyway. work on that with you, my man. I know, right? I'm yeah. sorry. Oh, Still, you, should, you did ten years of this. I don't know. What to do. Anyway. <laughs> You should have known. Uh, definitely check out all the shows that we have on the channel. I think at this point we're at like 13. I don't remember them all, but they're all there. Yeah. Um, various things. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's it. I would say uh, during this time, if you are not a member of US Arc, please go join, donate, do whatever you can. Every little bit helps. And especially if there's an action in your state or any state, please go and write in, do all that, help protect uh, the hobby that we love. Um, and that's all we have for you today. So we'll say thank you all for listening and we'll catch you all guys. Catch everybody next time for some more Morelia Python radio. Good night. Good night.